Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noel Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Scott Holliday. Noah Houlihan. Scott Holliday here, and this is the scoreboard. Who? Scott Holliday. Who? Scott Holliday. We are doing Chikara Action Arcade. Yes. Uh, so. There's a lot of preamble I have to go through before we really jump into this. But first, do we want to pour one out? Let's pour one out first. What you got there? Uh, I have Like a Bro. This is a protein shake. Uh, I didn't put any actual protein in there. You put ice cream in it. But I put a little bit of ice cream in there. A little bit of uh, uh, strawberries to make it that kind of like... uh, metropolitan ice cream is what I was going for. Neapolitan. Neapolitan. Metropolitan. It's it's very urban. Uh, so it's... Uh, sophisticated ice cream. Yeah, it's very sophisticated. So it's uh, almond milk and some strawberries and a little bit of mango as well uh, blended up. Uh, some ice and uh, a little bit of... I didn't put wee protein in it, but I did put some uh, muscle recovery in it because I'm a little sore today from my workout. And uh, I put some uh, banana uh, rum in there because I usually put bananas in my smoothies. But we're out of bananas. Yeah. And this is like a bro. I am also very sore because I took up Nintendo Fitness Boxing. Yes. Well, Um, here, let me take a sip. Okay. (laughs) That's very nice. It's very creamy. And it's got the the rum Mm. in it, so it's nice. Yeah. Uh, I've been saving this liqueur, and uh, in honor of Zero, who is a an office worker wrestler, mm-hmm. I have made the business time. Oh, it business time? And because when Zero takes off his tie, it's business time. It is Wawa Holiday Blend Coffee, because that's what I have, mm-hmm. and Patron Cafe that I've been saving. Ah, so very coffee-based. Oh, hell yeah. It's a shame you didn't have, like, that Japanese liqueur. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really... We're a little we, low on things. Yeah, we don't have any sake. Ooh. Is it very good? It's very good. All right, I'm gonna take it's not very strong. I didn't throw, like, a ton is, of... Is there a reason you went with Jurassic Park as your mug? Because uh, it was the mug I was already drinking out of. Oh, that makes sense. That's very good. Oh. I'm actually drinking mine out of my protein drink shaker for theming. Yeah, this was my second cup of coffee today, <laughs> and uh, I was already, this mug was already dirty, right? because I'd already had a cup of coffee out of it, so I was like, I'm not going to dirty a new mug, and I don't have anything, like, really thematic. Gotcha. So, otherwise it would have been like, yeah, this is the raccoon from Pocahontas, you like it? <laughs> Enjoy. So, we got a lot to talk about here on the Action Arcade, so a lot of things I need to explain. Yes. Before we get started here. Uh, Chikara Action Arcade ran one season as a show. Yes. Uh, you can watch it on IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. 
you'll have to sign up, but you can sign up for free uh, for a free like week if you use the the keyword or code word or promo code leapfrog. So you can go ahead and give that a try if you want to watch. We're going to only be discussing the first six episodes today because we know this is going to be a two-parter. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to jump in and watch it, you can. You only have to watch half of it just to get into this podcast. Uh, it's going to say that this is season 22, I believe. Uh, Chikara, as a wrestling company, works in seasons. Yes. So this is actually 22 seasons of wrestling, but there's only one season of Chikara Action Arcade, which was the only time that they went weekly. Usually it's like once a month there's a Chikara show. Yeah, it was an event. Yeah, this is week to week. Uh, on top of that, uh, this is the last season of Chikara as a whole. There will n- there was not a season two of Chikara Action Arcade or a season twenty three of Chikara. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to save this for almost episode one hundred for episode ninety nine. Yes, uh, because I am very much involved in this show. Yes, not only do I perform as Scott Holiday from the Scoreboard, uh, but I was one of the the main editors. And uh, I believe, according to the uh, credits, I'm listed as Master of Special Effects. We would like to uh, dedicate this episode to Brody Lee. Oh, yes. Who yes, was absolutely. a, uh, who actually did wrestle for Chikara, not in the show, but he did wrestle for Chikara in the past. Yes. And he will be missed. Absolutely. I believe um, his last match before he went to the WWE was against Eddie Kingston and Chikara. And it was a match a lot of people were very excited to see again someday. Oh, it's, yeah, I was really looking forward to that match. It was, it's a really good match. As of recording, we haven't watched the AEW tribute yet because it's one of those things of like, you know we're going to cry. Yeah, I'd like to be composed for this podcast. So. Uh, but one thing I do want to specify before we get into this is we are going to be talking about like the inner workings of wrestling. And uh, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, secrets in wrestling, uh, kind of like magic yes. in a way. Like the, there's a level of discussing magic and then there's a level beyond that of like ruining magic and like giving away the secrets. So yeah. there is a certain level that we will not be discussing. Uh, I'm not going to be unmasking anybody. We have a lot of masked wrestlers. Absolutely that We won't not. be giving away any identities other than the fact that I was uh, Nighthawk and Scott Holiday, but everybody knows that. Right. And plus, it's me. Like, you'd expect me to just say that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I have no problem just saying that. Uh, we are going to be discussing the show almost in a vacuum. Like, we're not going to be discussing uh, any of the events that took place after Jakara Action Arcade that led to this being canceled. Right. Or uh, too much of, like, what's going on beforehand. So, if you're here for drama, with your, if you're a drama llama... This is this is probably not going to be your favorite podcast. Yeah, we're not spilling a lot of tea here. We're not going to get no. into anything salacious or, um, you know, controversial. We're looking at this. I know we talk about the history, the hype, and the aftermath. Yeah. But uh, owing to personal connections here, there's certain things that are not appropriate. Yeah, for us to talk about. But I still have lots of fun stories about working on this show. So we had to do this podcast. It would make the most sense that... As someone who worked really hard on a one-season wonder that we discuss it here on this show. Yes. So that is why we are doing Chikara Action Arcade. Uh, and it's interesting because like um, 
kind of similarly to Dungeon Crawler's last episode, there isn't a lot of corporate backing yeah, to this. Uh, which I think is why there's certain things that are similar. Uh, certain issues the shows have that do tie them together of that lack of, uh, you know, Daddy Warbucks budget mm-hmm. from a network or a YouTube is uh, really in play here yes. at times. Uh, I will say, I will go as far as to say this. Uh, this aired on independentwrestling.tv. Yes. Uh, I was under the impression that this was going to go to a network. What that network is was never made 100% clear to me, but we were making this for something that like would have been either streaming it or airing it. Like a Comcast Sportsnet or... Something. So uh, that was always the goal when we were creating it. Like, that was something that I was told to keep in mind as we were going forward. So, uh, this show was meant to air somewhere else other than independentwrestling.tv. Okay, cool. Uh, and this will be a two-parter, so I, I want to throw this out early in the, in the episode. If you have any questions about this show, shoot us an email. What's that email, Laura? The Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com. Yeah, so go ahead and email us there or uh, hit Currently, us up on Twitter. Currently, my uh, my inbox is empty except for new login to Twitter from Chrome. So yeah, if you have any questions about this, since we know we're doing two parts, throw us a question. We'll answer it in the next episode. Yep. All right. I think that's enough Okey-dokey. of a preamble. Let's jump into Jakara Action Arcade. So the first thing we see is we meet Donorama. Yes. Who is clearly, uh, this is a classic tale as old as time narrative device. Donnarama is new to Chikara, and she's clearly intended to be our audience avatar. Uh, yeah. She has been kind of a little bit adopted by Lucas Calhoun, mm-hmm. the rockabilly roughneck. The rockabilly roughneck, Lucas Calhoun. Who, am I allowed to say he's a treasure of a human being? Oh, yeah. In real life? Okay. Because he's a treasure of a human being in <laughs> yeah. real life. Yeah, Lucas Calhoun is amazing, and such a perfect person to put in this role. Yeah, I was... I, I thought it was strange narratively why he's in this role, but you said you kind of knew why. Yes, and I think it'll become clear. I don't know if I will give away the reason in this episode or the next one, but I think if you're really watching, it's pretty clear what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, we'll we'll save it for a little bit later here. I only watched about half of this first run, because you would wake up and live-tweet it when it aired. Yes. And I uh, would sometimes go... Uh, you know, stand in my mom's yard mm-hmm. because it was the pandemic. So that's how I could visit my parents. Right. So I, th- some of this is new to me. <laughs> um, our commentary team for the first episode is... Uh, before we move on to that, yeah. uh, I directed this. Did you? Yeah, th- I directed this little, uh, this little scene outside. Uh, so the very first thing that we see, like, I was in charge of. And... Didn't know that. We, we were looking at the script and uh, the, the one line in it is uh, Lucas says something like, Pal, nobody can explain Chikara to you. You have to experience for yourself. Ready? And then opens the door, and then we go inside in the the intro place, which I love. I think this is a great way of, like, we are opening the door into the Wrestle Factory and exposing you to this new world. Yeah. Lucas was like, I don't understand why I say pal here. I, like, I don't get this script. And I was like, why don't you just improv it? Say what feels right. Say what feels right. And, like, the moment we said action, Quack came out to watch, 
watched it and looked at me and was like, so they need to stick to the script. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Now, what do you mean when you say quack? Uh, quack, Mike Quackenbush, who you will see throughout this uh, show, uh, is also the owner of Chikara. And uh, I'm, I'm not giving anything away there. I think everyone knows that. And he's also like the owner of the Wrestle Factory in storylines as well. And uh, so he came out and was like, make sure they stick to the straight and they left. And I was like, okay, let's discuss the script a little bit better. And basically I had to direct Lucas. as like, you are not calling Donna your pal. You're just kind of saying like, oh man, that's why you say pal. So I gave them that little direction. And then we head in and we get the intro, which I think is a pretty fun I think intro. so. I like the theme music a lot, actually. Yeah. That like, it's got this very like electric guitar driven fun. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Um, and we get our first match. Yes, our first match is the... It's a non-title tag team match between the Campeones de Parejas. Yes. Which are Solo Darling and Willow Nightingale, the bird and the bee. Mm-hmm. And uh, the colony, Green Ant and Thief Ant. Yeah. Thief Ant. Yes. Uh, I have a note here. Where is Officer Magnum? Officer Magnum, I don't think, appears in the show. Because I, I know he is uh, usually with Solo Darling. Yeah. And I love him. Yes. Uh, Officer Magnum is, in fact, a dog. He's a good boy. And he is a really good boy. There was a Chikara show where my job was to watch Officer Magnum, and it was a great day. Yes. Uh, but for th- I think this is a great first match. Yes. To, to introduce you to Chikara, because it establishes a lot. Yes. It establishes that our tag team titles are called the Campeonatos de Parejas, which yes. means Championship of Pairs in Spanish. Yes. Uh, I constantly say it wrong. You, and you just did. <laughs> uh, it's Campeones de Parejas. Well, because campion, I get Campeones and Campeanos confused because it's champion versus championship. Yeah, and you put a T in there for some reason. Because well, I can't speak Spanish. <laughs> um, so this is also a non-title tag team match. Yes. They make it a point to tell us that like this isn't for the title. This is an exhibition match. Yes. And it's also establishing that we have intergender wrestling. Yes. Because the point of this is that our tag title titles are held by the Bird and the Bee, who are two women. Yes. And they're wrestling two men, who are also ants. And there is actually, after the match, I'm going to jump forward a teeny tiny bit uh, before we get back into the match. Okay. Um, Calhoun explains this to Donnarama. Yes. In one of those little, like, this first couple episodes has a f- bunch of these little moments where Calhoun explains things to Donnarama. I don't understand. Are they the women's tag champions? No, it's it's equal rights, equal fights here at Chicago. There hasn't been uh, a division by, by weight class or, or gender in more than 15 years now. So I get to choose who I'm competing against. Exactly, exactly. Nobody here is going to decide who you can or cannot compete against, except for you. Intriguing. Yes. So they explain (laughs) equal rights, equal fights, which I'm going to be mad forever that there was just never a Chikara t-shirt that said that. Yeah, there there really should have been a Chikara equal rights, equal fights t-shirt. That was a missed opportunity. Um, So another thing that this establishes is, uh, and this is like a little small thing, is the way that the wrestling works. One of the the first things that happens is uh, one of the ants gets shot off the ropes and uh, I believe it's Willow lays down on the mat. 
which is a common wrestling spot where like you get thrown off the ropes, you lay down, the guy jumps over you. Yes. But instead of jumping over, it's a successful trip. And I think that is something that is missing in wrestling often. Yeah. Is like, there are so many cliches that it's like, when you shoot someone off the ropes, you know, you duck so they jump over you. Well, why are you doing that? And to see it actually succeed as a trip. Yes. Kind of also shows like, hey, we're getting back to the way wrestling should work. Yeah. Like, it doesn't lean so... It's kind of going back to basics a little bit Mm -hmm. instead of going... And that's why Donorama is really effective as a narrative device, because this is clearly intended to get new people into. Because, as you said, Chikara's run for seasons and seasons and seasons. So this is kind of the, like, if you're kind of new to wrestling or to Chikara, this is kind of a good entryway. Yeah. Like the new 52. Yeah, yeah. And I think this match succeeds, I think, in every way. Yes. Kind of being like, this is what Chikara is. Uh, like, welcome. Yes. Uh, I will say that uh, our commentary team is... Mike Quackenbush Mike and Sydney Bacabella. And Sydney Bacabella. And uh, the commentary team moving forward will be uh, Bacabella and Jason uh, Worthington. But one of the big things we wanted to do was we wanted the commentaries to appear on camera. Yes. So there's a moment during this match where it cuts and you see Quack and Sydney there uh, talking. Uh, This is the only time it will happen because it's the only time we were able to do this. And they're also like in a very different part of the building. Yes. Because the lighting is so different. Yes. They're in the hallway because another important thing we wanted to do is we wanted viewers to know the space. Like, this is what backstage looks like. This is where it is. This is where commentary is. This is where the interviews happen. Unfortunately, as we went forward with this, we weren't able to do that due to a situation that ends in 19. (laughs) Uh, And... The Rona! But I also want to point out, I don't think anyone told Sydney he was going to appear on camera. Because he's wearing a Pinky in the Brain t-shirt for some reason. Bacabella is a truly good commentator. Oh, I love Bacabella. He's clearly taking some notes from Bobby the Brain Heenan. Absolutely. he does a really admirable job throughout mm. this series. Yes. Another, um, another treasure. Yeah. I, I don't know him personally, so yes. I Yes. I, I know him very well, and he's wonderful. Um... um such a great mind, so much knowledge about wrestling. And he, he shows it. He's a heel commentator, but he knows what he's talking about. Like when he cites, oh, that move is right out of blank. Well, blank is a person in Chikara. But this is outside of this person's playbook and names an older wrestler. Yes. He can immediately come up with yeah, someone to compare What's fun to. about that is a lot of those are just lies. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> it's just him, like, making up names. Like, sometimes it's true, and sometimes it's a lie, which is what makes it, like, the blurring of the lines. And he, he is a heel, and yeah. he's a lot of fun. He's a lot um, of fun. Uh, the winner of this match is Solo Darling by submission. Yes. So, uh, the bird and the bee. And my next note is Willow is a magical girl, because I think some of her posing yeah, is very, a like, lot of, like, anime-inspired. Anime posing. And the, the two, like, they look great. 
Yes. They have a great look. They have a great rapport. Mm -hmm. They work really well as a tag team. So do the Colony, but, like, I really like the Bird and the Bee. Bird and the Bee definitely stand out like stars. Um, And then we we have the Donnarama, uh, Lucas Calhoun... uh, uh, little interim, uh, which I again directed. Yay! And you will notice that the rest of the uh, Donorama Lucas Calhoun segments are very poorly lit. Yes. Because this is the last one I directed before I got pulled away. I think I had either a meeting or I had like an early out that day. So they filmed the rest of them without me directing it. And every time I watch one, I'm like, Lights, guys, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe I remember this one being feeling very cleverly lit mm-hmm. because it's backstage and it's lit in blue because it's lit in like the ghost lights backstage. Yes. That everyone has to work by. And I've done enough theater to be like, I know those lights. Yes, because a lot of it is ghost lights, but I also made sure that a real light was there so we could actually see them, which is the element that is missing from every other segment. <laughs> Uh, so then we get a another match. We get the spoiler versus Chuck West in a squash match. Yes. Uh, I, you love the spoiler. I, the spoiler is such an entertaining dude. Um, it's one of the few feuds that continued after uh, Jakar ended is, is Scott feuding with the, the spoiler on Twitter. But man, like he just got that character and ran with it and... I know you, like, get annoyed with him, but, like, that is the purpose of him. Yeah, he's a heel. I'm not supposed to love him. Uh, I will say, uh, not the greatest match. No, I have this marked that this is a squash match. Yeah. Uh, So it's not like... These matches are never great, Mm -hmm. squash matches. They're really meant to showcase one person. Uh, Chuck West is a non-entity in this match. Yeah. It's, it's you know, introducing a new character. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, it's not the, the strongest match. And then uh, the next thing we get is our first advert for the Young Lions Cup. Yes. Uh, this is just a video package explaining mm-hmm. what the Young Lions Cup is. It's essentially a rookie championship. Yes. Uh, you have it for a year? Is it something that is defended or do you just have it for a you, year? You have to defend it. Okay. Uh, and So it's not like a King of the Ring. It's not like a king or a ring, no. Uh, but basically, after the Young Lions tournament, the Young Lion who wins will defend it. Uh, and, you know, other people can win it and then they will have to defend it. But at the end of the year, it has to be forfeited and the next, like, group of Young Lions compete for it. And you can compete again if you didn't win. Yes, but you can only win it once. Right. That's why I said you can compete again if you didn't win. Yes. Uh, because... The current Young Lions Cup champion is Still Life with Apricots and Pears. Yes. And then, uh, so they are not able to uh, compete in this Young Lions Cup because they currently hold it. And they will never be able to compete again because they've had it. Yes. So, uh, meanwhile, Green Ant has competed before and lost. Yes. So he is allowed to compete again. Yes. I'm just trying to like explain the Young Lions Cup rules because it's mm-hmm. not... Something that has anything really terribly comparable. Right. And then we see our uh, our backstage interviewer, Sam Laterna. Yes. And she does a segment where she shows... Essentially, she introduces video packages because she's not in the same room with anybody. Yes. So... <laughs> this is clearly a The Rona 
thing. No, this is how this was supposed to look. Oh. Uh, so here's oh. a fun question for you. Is there a green screen here? Yes. Really? You think there is? For for everybody involved, I would think. Yeah, because you see... No, not, not the interviews. I mean, Sam Letourneau. Is Sam Letourneau in front of a green screen? You keep asking me, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> she, you've asked me repeatedly, which makes me think no. I just wanted to make sure you understood what I was asking. This is a very silly thing. For some reason, the way it's shot, it super looks like she's in front of a green screen. Because the... the uh, the set just kind of looks flat and dead and, and artificial. Yeah. It's not. Like, that's really there. However, the TV she is next to is just showing a green screen so that they can green screen in graphics on the television. That makes sense. No, it doesn't. You could just superimpose it. Nothing ever needs to be in front of it. <laughs> So it's, there are like moments where like there's a bad glare on it and stuff and it doesn't look right because it's an unnecessary green screen. Okay. I don't know enough about the tech to think it's mm. unnecessary. Because uh, everybody else has like a custom background that they're in front of. Yes. Because uh, the first person we see is Molly McCoy. Yes. Uh, and they're um, they're not that super into the Young Lions Cup. Like they just want to fight people. Yeah. The, she's the grittiest girl in wrestling. She has a hockey gimmick. Lions Cup tournament where everyone is trying to impress all the right people and do all the right moves. And Molly McCoy couldn't care less. You see, here's the problem that I have with all of my colleagues. Y'all don't seem to see the whole picture unless the flash is on. You're all so concerned with your shiny gold cup and your pretty moves that when it comes time to get raw, and real and gritty, you can't with all of the eyes on you. The grittiest girl in Shakara has a lot to lose and even more to gain. So young lions, consider this. You all being put on notice. I did this green screening. Yeah. Like, this is one of my main jobs is uh, I created the... I don't create the actual logo, yeah. but I created the background for it and uh, superimposed it. And the green screening is really bad in this one because it's like... The green is reflecting into her hair and the, her background is starting to, like, appear on her, on her head. Oh, no. And uh, a lot of people lit me up for it and uh, justifiably... <laughs> And uh, she's kind of pushing that she doesn't want it. Uh, she's like, yeah. whatever, I just want to fight people. Yeah, she wants to fight. She wants to beat up Boomer. Yeah. Uh, who is uh, Molly's cousin. Uh, yeah. They're and all then, on notice. And then we meet the Forged. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are Joshua Wells, mm-hmm. Xavier Faraday, and Josue Ibanez. Yes, Jawbreaker. They are Facey McFace faces. Yes. They are the goodest boys. Yes. The the story that we were telling is the bad boys, the, the worst people are the Crucible. Yes. And they were uh, in the Crucible for a little bit and saw how evil they were and left. And they're kind of like the rebels. Yes. Um, so they, they basically do like this info dump where they try to tell you everything because Jose Ibanez... Uh, or Josue Ibanez, yes. is uh, too old to compete. Okay, that's why we don't see him in this promo. Yes. 
No, he's in the promo. He's just not in the right. Lions Cup. And uh, so Xavier Faraday and Joshua Wells are there to carry on for Forged. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and we see some other people talk. We see, like, Fry Nasser. Yes, of the, the Crucible. And he does his amazing uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch promo. Last year, the Crucible went off on Chikara. We won King of Trios. We won the Infinite Gauntlet. But this year, it's time for Fry Nassar to shine. I'm going to bring that Young Lions Cup home for the boys and Princess Kimberly. And to be honest, I think that gold cup would look real nice with all my ice. <laughs> that rhymed. Once I put that cup, attach it right here to my chain. I'm going to put some cinnamon toast crunch in that bad boy. And I'm going to live my best life. Yum. 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 Yeah, this is a really good promo. Yeah. Of just like, I'm going to eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch out of it. Yeah, this is a perfect promo because he's like a newer character and you learn so much about his character in just 30 seconds. And it's like a little weird and you're just like, oh, okay, so you're a little weird. That's cool. Yes. Um, And then we also see uh, Boomer Hatfield. Yes. Who is like kind of our main baby face that we really... See in this sequence of episodes. Yeah. He is the son of Dasher Hatfield, who's the current grand champion. They are estranged Mm -hmm. uh, because Boomer won Dasher's mask from him previously. Yes. So they are not like doing super well. Dasher is a heel and Boomer is a face. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those of you who, like me, didn't know what those terms meant at some point in their lives, heel is bad guy, face is good guy. Mm -hmm. Now, as... I'm so tied up in, like, the process of this that, like, there's stuff I can't really see. Uh, This is the only mention of the Grand Champion in the first episode. Correct. Do you think that was enough to establish him as a champion? Because we don't, like, even see him. I think it's effective, the idea of him being a reveal. Right. Like, that we're, we're holding something for the next episode. We have the campeon the campeones de parejas, yes. so we've seen champions, uh, and Boomer's actually in a match that we see with uh, the Golden Grappler Travis Huckabee of Fist. Yes. Do you know what Fist stands for? Does it actually stand for what I think it stands for? Because uh, you told me something it stands for. Okay, I, I can I can tell this story. Uh, okay. Fist is an acronym. Yes. And uh, Fist was never meant to be explained what it stood for. Okay. But the joke was it was friends in similar tights. Which is what I totally thought it still stood for. Uh, But, like, we were never going to actually say that. And then it got said on commentary by Archie Peck. Marchie Archie. Marchie Archie. And this is, like, years and years ago. And he was just like, oh, Fist, I know them. Friends in similar tights. And everyone was kind of like, ugh. No one was actually supposed to know that's what it stood for. I love that. But we just said it out loud. <laughs> I, I do love that that's what it stands for. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Travis Huckabee is the heel. I like him a lot as a human being. Yes. Uh, we used to work out at the same gym yeah, at the same time. We used to work out around Travis. So there's a bunch of his promos from like 2018, 2019 that I filmed. Yes. And or ruined. Yes. 
Um, if I can find it, we'll put it in the promo where he makes me do sit-ups. <laughs> yeah, I'm filming, and there's at least one where there's an outtake where he's walking in front of our gym, mm-hmm. filming himself, and I just scream out the window at him. <laughs> oh my gosh, Travis McAfee. Uh, because I'm a terrible friend. <laughs> um, so this is like... And we also see the ring announcer for the first time, Maisie Caroline. Yes. Uh, so Boomer and uh, the Golden Grappler have a match here. Uh, I, I will say, that just because it's a thing I worked on, you see people backstage right before they run out. Uh, believe it or not, those were filmed separately. Why? So Boomer is like full of energy and burst through the court curtain backstage and then the cut of him walking through the curtain he's like real laid back and just like hey it's me it's Boomer so I <laughs> I had to stick a graphic in front of it that covers the whole screen <laughs> so it doesn't look weird <laughs> so that's that's a little fun thing I got to deal with uh, so Boomer wins this run right with the boomerang uh, yes he does yes so we established that Boomer then goes backstage. And he signs for his point. Yes. And then Calhoun explains the point system to Donorama. Yes, which is my job as Scott Holiday. How dare you, Lucas? You're too wonderful for me to be mad at. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, th- and this is to explain it to the audience. He's not, ke- Calhoun's not keeping track of points. That's your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's explaining it to the audience that. To challenge for a title, you need three points. Yes. Which means three successive wins. If you lose, you lose all your points and go back to square one. All your points. And you can only challenge for the championship if you have three points. You trying to steal my job? Yes. (laughs) Uh, I get your job because I can pronounce campeones de parejas. Yes. Um... And we see, this is the only time we see this through the entire show is Boomer like goes back and has to sign for his point. Like it's a FedEx package. Yes. And we never see that again, but it's fun. Yes. Uh, Shout outs to Pancakes, who's in the background, who is a whole ass dude. He's a whole ass dude. Uh, Joke for nobody. Uh, Joke for anybody who follows Chikara or Pancakes because uh, Pancakes didn't get to debut into Chikara. Yeah. And there was someone on Twitter who thought Pancakes was just a huge in-joke. Yeah. And was shocked to find out Pancakes was a human being who exists. Yes. And tweeted, Pancakes is a whole ass dude. He's a whole ass dude. Now that's his gimmick. He's a whole ass dude. Pancakes is a key figure in a time I thought you were going to get arrested. (laughs) All right. We can tell this story too. Because you jumped Pancakes in a Target. Yeah. I ran into (laughs) Pancakes at Target and uh, we used to chop Pancakes a lot. So I snuck up on him and chopped him in the middle of a target. No, I didn't know pancakes, so to yeah. me, it looks like... I just assaulted a man. <laughs> my kind, patient partner has just smacked a dude <laughs> for no reason in the middle of a target. Friendship is fun. Uh, and I still don't know Pancakes' real name. It's Pancakes. Okay. Because <laughs> you literally said, Laura, this is Pancakes. This is pancakes. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then we get... Uh, we get some video packages here. We get yes. the uh, video package about the Crucible. Yes. And then Calhoun explains the Crucible. Yes. I, I, for some reason, wrote that I felt like this Crucible promo was misplaced, but I didn't write any information on why. I mean, we had to have it here because we then get a Crucible fight. Okay. The Crucible fight is next? Uh, well, we get a... Fa- you know what? You're right. Yeah, I thought this was the problem. Because there's a factory-made segment in between. Yes. 
And it's essentially supposed to set up the juxtaposition between the Crucible, which is a more, uh, which is a rough, not very kind and gentle training ground. Yeah. Um, it's very much get in, get out, and get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, crucible fights are two minutes or less. Yes. The ropes are down. Yes. And they're more of a fight than a wrestling mm-hmm. match. And so putting that up against a factory-made video package about like how training works at the Wrestle Factory is clearly supposed to set up the difference between them. Mm-hmm. But putting the factory-made package between the Crucible package and the fight really does disrupt the flow. Yeah, I think it should have gone after the Crucible fight, but that's just me. Um, I agree. Yeah. And then we get Devante's story versus Matt Stone, and this is just a... It's yes. a squash. Yes. Uh, this is uh, kind of inspired by uh, WMAB Masters, which okay. is a show that aired on, like, UPN. Uh and yeah, it's two minutes, and this has always bothered me. Yeah. And since I have a podcast and this is my show, I can air this grievance. What are the ways to win a crucible fight? Knockout, ring out, or submission? So no pinfall. There's no pinfall. Okay. Why not knock out, ring out, or tap, tap out? out. <laughs> I hate that we use the word submission here. It's so frustrating to me. Yeah. They're not... Um, they, there's a few of these kinds of things throughout the show of like a very simple solution that doesn't get used. And you're like, why wouldn't you just say knock out, ring out, or tap out and keep mm-hmm. it like... Because again, like equal rights, equal fights, that's something that seems like ready-made to put on a shirt. Yes. Um... Uh, uh, you you will find that a lot of this show, there's a lot of me saying like, hey, did anyone notice this? And then being told like, not now. Everything's on fire. Yes. <laughs> um, and then we get a special report and we get, and we hear about the Cybernetico. Yes. The circuit match Cybernetico. Uh, oh, Devontae wins the Crucible match. Oh yeah, Devontae. It's a squash match. It's a squash. He, he basically destroys a man. Yeah. Uh, so, the circuit match, uh, they show a lot of, like, great promos for this, where they show, like, past clips, and you see people like Kevin Owens and the Young Bucks in these matches. We've had a lot of great Cybernetico matches. Yeah. Uh, but we're six episodes deep into this uh, show. Do you understand the rules of the Cybernetico? I kind of do, because I've seen one. Okay. Um, because... I- Unless I'm wrong, Top Banana had a Cybernetico, right? Yes, we, we watched one the, with, yeah. yeah, with uh, the one where Kimberly wins the title. Yes. That show. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I kind of know only because I've been to a Cybernetico. Uh, so the, the rules of the Cybernetico are, and I, I guess it's okay that we don't really know yet because it's like intriguing. Yeah. But it is two teams, seven on seven tag team match. But there's a batting order. So you can't just tag any of your uh, teammates. You have to tag the one that's next in order. Yes. So there's like this element of strategy and trying to figure out like who the matchups will be and things like that. Yeah, like the batting order is important. It's not just like a team fight. Yes. But it's also not random like an elimination chamber. Right. Uh, So the captains kind of have to strategize and pick their teams and things like that. Additionally, 
when there's only one winner of the Cybernetico. So if one team completely wipes Annihilates out, another team, they have to turn on each other? They have to fight each other until there's only one person left. And keeping that battling order. So, like, you're also placing yourself as the captain next to who you might end up having to fight. So there's a lot of cool strategy with this, but it's it's a hard to explain So that. not like a Survivor series where, like, a team can just still be left. Yeah, it's always just one person. It's a, it's a cool idea. It's a little hard to explain. And, you know, they have 12 episodes to get to a full explanation. And we find out that uh, Jigsaw is like a team captain, along with Mike Quackenbush for the Wrestle Factory in the uh, Cybernetico. Yeah, he's bringing... Uh, Mike's two first choices are people he can trust, and he chooses Jigsaw and Mobius. Yes. And uh, Ophidian for the Crucible chooses... Uh, uh, Lance Steele and Kimberly. Yes. Princess Kimberly. Princess Kimberly. Which I think actually might be in the next episode. Oh, no, you're, you're right. They just announced who the captains are. And yeah, the captains and are Mike and Ophidian. Yes. Because it's Wrestle Factory versus Crucible. Uh, so then that's episode two. Yes, let's move on to episode two. And this starts with the Grand Champion Dasher Hatfield. And this is when we get... The explanation of the Sword of Damocles Clause. Yes. Because Dasher, every time he puts his championship on the line, he's also putting his career on the line. Yes. However, because of the Sword of Damocles Clause, anyone who goes up against Dasher is also putting their career on the line. Yes. So if you win against Dasher, you get to stay and you get the Grand Championship. But if you lose, you get nothing and you're exiled from Chikara. Yes. So... And we see Sydney Bacabella, because that's who he's talking to. Yeah. You know, Sydney, almost everybody who's ever held this title can stake their claim for greatest grand champion of all time. And although I know it's me, being more superior than the likes of Kimberly, Hollow Wicked, and Eddie Kingston, it's not enough. From this day forward, every time I defend this grand championship, I'll be defending my career. When the day comes that somebody can beat me for this title, that'll be the last day you or anybody else in the world sees me in the Chikara. Mr. Hatfield, I'm not sure if you're aware of a certain amendment in the Chikara rulebook that states once a grand champion not only puts the title on the line, but also his career. Now, every single challenger to you will also put their career on the line. You want a shot at the championship? Well, now the stakes just got higher because if you lose, you're gone. Chikara just got a lot more interesting. Few things. Uh, uh, Bell's si- wig is delightfully bad. Yes. It's usually black. It's usually a pitch black wig. But the idea was going to night school to become a lawyer has aged him. Oh my God. So that's why he has the silver fox wig now. Uh, and two, this is such a piecemeal promo because it was one of those situations where it was like Dasher and... Uh, Sidney Bacabella needed to explain what the Sword of Damocles Amendment was. Yeah. Uh, but there are two veterans that everybody trusted. So they're like, just get out there and do it. 
He Dasher gets out there and he was like, I want to talk to a fan. And he brings a fan up and like has a conversation with the fan and like shakes his hand and like makes a promise to him and all this other stuff. Which was footage we couldn't really use. Because at one point we do see the fan in a footage. I went, who is that? Yeah, the fan shows up, like, I think in episode five, like, randomly. And was like, where did that come from? It's like, yeah, it's when we cut up this weird promo. And, like, I remember, like, being next to Mike in the control room when this happened. Going, like, what's going on? What's happening? Oh, my God, none of this is going to be usable. And I think the promo was, like, seven minutes. It was, like, probably not that long, but it was, like, way too long for us to use. Oh, no. So I just remember being there with Mike being like, oh, no. We made it look all right, but that's just a a funny thing that happened. And uh, now we're going to start, I believe, with a Crucible fight. Yes, it's Lance Steele. Versus Rugged Reno. <laughs> yes. I did try to get all of the jobbers' names. Uh, a jobber. I, I feel like I'm, I get go to be. For it. I get to be Lucas Calhoun now, which this is the closest <laughs> I'm going to get to being that cool. Um, uh, a jobber is whenever they're really uh, building a new star, they will have these matches that are really showcase matches for the new star, and. They don't want to have their new star beat up any of their old stars, so they have what's called an enhancement talent or a jobber. Mm -hmm. And it's just somebody who's there to lose. Yes, just to do the job. I am, I I know a lot about wrestling, despite knowing nothing about wrestling. Uh, We also set up that Lance Steele wears armor. I make fun of this so bad (laughs) in my notes. I feel really... I feel a little bad about it. Reno chops Lance Steele in the chest and it hurts his hand because he's wearing knight armor because he's a knight. But the... I'm pretty crafty. (laughs) That armor looks like it's craft foam. Yeah, because he's got to wrestle in it, Lara. (laughs) I know. (laughs) He can't actually go in there wearing armor. People would die. For some reason, despite... All of my suspension of disbelief, including the fact that there's ants, mm-hmm. that craft foam thing really pissed me off. <laughs> do, do you know the story of Lance Steele? No. Lance Steele uh, is one of our oldest characters. He is a time traveling knight who traveled back in time to find himself. Okay. And they became the ta- the tag team of Lance Steele and Lance Steele. Okay, that's and fun. They were Team Lance a lot. <laughs> Uh, and they had a feud with Dragon Dragon, who was an actual dragon. <laughs> so, land two, two knights versus dragons. Uh, so, uh, we don't know what happened in terms of the time loops, uh, but now Lance Steele is here and he is part of the Crucible. Alright, alright. Uh, then, oh my god, I think we're going to the scoreboard! <laughs> here and this is the scoreboard here at Jakara we work on a point system win one singles match and you earn one point it takes three points to challenge Dasher Hatfield for the grand championship this is the first time we hear here's Scott Holiday with the scoreboard yeah and this is the only time Bacabella doesn't say who yes 
so the graphic for the scoreboard is one of the best graphics. Yes. The like intro graphic for the scoreboard has that really cool because something that we should address quickly. Oh yeah. Is that the whole thing? Is it set up like a video game? Yes. This is meant to be Chikara a video game. Action Arcade. Yes. So this is this looks very eighties arcade. Like you half expect the Sega voice. Yes. Uh, so this is God's cute. Thank you. Uh, this is meant to, everything's supposed to be a video game. That's why there's like points and like there's very video game-esque graphics here. Uh, and basically, uh, there, there's something fun you can tell when watching this. Yeah. I am at the Wrestle Factory anytime there's a reflection in my glasses. Yes. Uh, due to COVID, I end up having to do a lot of these in my room with a green screen. And I was smart enough to get a pair of glasses with no lenses in it so that there's no reflection. But you can tell, like, whether or not I'm doing a green screen or if it's one that is uh, at the Wrestle Factory based off of this fact. Uh, you can also see that... Because uh, Bacabella's glasses also do it at one point. Yes. Uh, I'm in front of this, like, very colorful background. But the part we liked was very high. So I'm actually on like five feet of mats. Not five feet. I'm, I'm on like three feet of mat up in the air. So I'm actually like very unsteady as I do the scoreboard. Um, and I want to point out that we have, uh, we recorded 10 of these at yep. the Russell factory. And then due to COVID, it's like none of these make sense anymore. Oh my God. So I had to redo all of them. Uh, <laughs> other than like this one, I think one more. And uh, I break down the points. Uh, we get a uh, a promo from Lucas Calhoun. Yes, we do. Uh, saying that he's in the hunt for that grand championship. He mentions that he's been with Chikara for six years, and, and until now he's felt directionless and aimless. Yes. Uh, then we get a Boomer promo. Yes. Boomer now has a point. Yeah. Because uh, he won his match against Travis. And... This is an interesting, like, sowing the seed thing. He's very calm. Yes. Like, and we'll see his calmness slowly get picked away as he grows throughout this season. And then we have Matt Mikowski in front of the Crucible logo. And then uh, you got mad at me. Yeah, because you said it looked bad. And I, I didn't say it looked fair. bad. I looked, said it looked like 1994 specifically threw up on it. It doesn't look bad. It just looks... Very, very dated. Thanks. It okay. This is. Not, I'm gonna just keep digging this hole. It's gonna be great. Uh, it looks in league with the other logos, though, which also looks somewhat dated. Like I think if the Crucible had like a really cool modern looking logo, mm -hmm. it wouldn't fit right, which right. could be a good narrative choice, but also could not be a good narrative choice. I like the black background. It looks like it's coal. And the Chakara or the Crucible logo is like fiery. So it's like burning coal because the fire reveals what the flesh conceals. It looks like it should be on the side of a Jeep. Next, we get a trios match. No, I... I okay, yeah. Because the next thing I talk about is uh, we have the trios match between Jigsaw, Mobius, and Mike Quackenbush. And then for the Crucible, we have DM Demorest. Uh, EM Demorest, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt I think it's D. It's DM Demorest, right? I have it. I have it both ways in my notes. <laughs> we have Demorest, we have Matt Mikowski, and we have Tonku Amir. Yes. Matt Mikowski has such a great look. So this is a, a little fun fact. 
everyone in the Crucible is supposed to be a different form of fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frynasar is supposed to be a rich kid who just like wanted to get into a fight club because he was bored because he was so rich. So he's like a Draco Malfoy. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Tonko Amir is uh, from Singapore. Okay. And uh, he actually has like a fitness channel. Oh. Uh, so you can check him out. Matt Mikowski legitimately came from MMA. He's got such a great look. Yeah, so he legitimately was a cage fighter. When I say a great look, like, I know a lot of people, when they say a great look, they mean, like, the mm-hmm. physical body mm-hmm. of, like, like, a great look in wrestling is, like, a lot of people mean, like, a great, like, oh, he's got a great body. And that's mm-hmm. not really what I mean. I'm really looking at the theatricality. And Matt Bukowski has a really good... Oh, yeah. Uh, he balances perfectly looking put together, but also looking like he doesn't try. Yeah, he makes it look so easy. And that's something that I think a lot of, like, badass characters struggle with is you have to look a certain level of cool, mm-hmm. but you also can't look try hard. Yeah. And Matt Mikowski walks that line perfectly. Yes. He looks put together. He looks like he didn't just, like, roll up. Mm-hmm. But he also looks like he doesn't really have to work that hard. Because I would, like, compare him and contrast him with a John Moxley who, like, wants to look like he's not trying. Yeah. So, like, his look is very, like, he does things with, like, a beanie and a tank top. Mikowski's a little more professional. Mm-hmm. But he does it in this very good way of, like, he didn't wake up like this, but he didn't work that hard to get you to like him. Yeah. Uh, DM Morris is legitimately a very popular backyard wrestler. Is he? Yes. Like, that's where he came from. Like, I remember when he debuted, people being like, DeMorest is here? Because they knew him from backyard wrestling. So this is a trios match between uh, Jigsaw, Mobius, and Quack for the Wrestle Factory, and DeMorest, Matt Mikowski, and Tunku Amir. And so this is a, a trios match is essentially, you know, three to a team, yes. but it's a tag match. Yes. Uh, so it is two legal men at a time. Yes. One, one from each side. Yes. Uh, I want to really point out that they never mention this on commentary and I hate that they never explain lucha tags. No, they don't. Uh, when a legal participant leaves the ring and touches the floor, that is a tag. The okay. same way touching hand-to-hand would be. Uh, It's an important part of Jakara, and I don't think we hit it enough. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I do have a note here. Uh, If there are three members of the Crucible, do they get six minutes before Ophidian takes away their ice cream? Good joke. I like that joke. Uh, There's one bit here I really, really like that's really effective heel work. Yeah. Uh, There's a point where... Everyone is working Mobius. Yes. Because uh, that's a usual tag match thing of like isolating one member of the team and beating the crap out of them mm-hmm. so they can't get to their partners. Yeah. And at one point, Demorisk picks up Mobius's arms and like makes him like a tag puppet and like pretends he's going to tag yeah. uh, Jigsaw or Mike Quackenbush. Mm-hmm. And it's such a solid heel move that sells the cruelty of the Crucible really, really well. Yes. And... uh However, they do flip the switch and Mobius gets the win on Tunku Amir. Yes. Uh, I want to say that there is a moment where Quack is in there and 
Quack is really good at the wrestling. He's in there for like a minute and you see five things you've never seen before in your life. And like, he does an amazing hold plus some Lucha stuff. But like, Quack's in there for a moment. It's like, oh yeah, Quack's really good at wrestling. He's good at the wrestles. He's good at the wrestles. Uh, we get a whisper promo. Uh, I really like the whisper background. I really like the whisper in general. Yes. Um, the whisper's got a very cool look of like, there's just like a spoopiness mm-hmm. to the whisper. Uh, whenever they're cutting a promo, whenever he's cutting a promo, he is this like, really, it's the static skull mask. It doesn't move. Yeah. Um, so I know that the whisper to you is default evil. Because he's a Scully man. He's a Scully man. Uh, he has this cool owl tattoo that he's always displaying that I yes. think is... Uh, it's also really interesting because I realized how many wrestlers have like tattoos of licensed things. And how I'm like, oh, uh, the Whisperer is one of those few tattoos that he can kind of like push yeah. as part of his character. Because it's just an owl on a branch in front of a full moon and not like something somebody else owns. There's another character who has a prominent tattoo. We'll talk about him a little more yes. later. But like, unlike CM Punk, who if you buy CM Punk's like image on something that was officially WWE licensed, like the Cobra symbol is kind of photoshopped and the Pepsi symbol is kind of photoshopped yeah, out. Because CM Punk is kind of like a walking billboard. Yeah. Uh, so the Whisper kind of cuts a promo and it's just really good. I like his background. I like that he has the, the uh, yo-yo gimmick. Yes. Because it just adds another dimension. Because with gimmicks, it's very, very easy to go, oh, he's a scary Scully man. And that's his whole character. Yeah. But there's just more to the whisper mm-hmm. of like, he also has the yo-yo. And also like, he doesn't wrestle in that skull mask. So it's not right. like an unmasking is a dramatic thing. But he always cuts the promos in the mask. And he was like the big bad of Chikara for a bit. Yes. If I recall correctly. Yeah, he, he's one of our most devious characters. Uh, this is Then we get a juke joint promo uh, where they're, they're talking backstage. Yes. And uh, this is where we get our first you see. I, I was wrong. It's not in the promo. It's here. Yes. Where Donna says you see and juke joint responds with you see. Uh, and I, this is about trying to get Donna into the Young Lions Cup, I believe. Well, Donna asks... Uh, who she should challenge. Yes. And Calhoun encourages encourages her to sign up for the Young Lions Cup. Right. And Calhoun's a really interesting choice for a mentor. And I kind of had this thought of Donna Rama has the wholesome 50s girl look. And Calhoun is like the rockabilly roughneck. So this idea that they're kind of both in this sort of 50s-ish gimmick. This like, he's kind of a greaser. Right. She's got that like, uh, I don't even want to say Sandy from Greece. She's more Patty Simcox from Greece. Okay. Um, so like, I was, it kind of makes it's starting to make sense why he's her mentor because I'm like, oh, they're from the same time period. <laughs> um, and then uh, Calhoun's actually about to have a match. He's yes. a singles match, and I get mad here because commentary. Uh, Jason Worthington calls him the Rockabilly Refneck, and it looks like it's the Rockabilly Refneck. Refneck, yeah. Instead of the Roughneck. It just sounds weird. And then he's, Calhoun says something to the camera that we can't hear because Maisie Caroline ring announces over it. No, because commentary talks over it. Commentary talks over everything. Yeah, commentary. Uh, I've done commentary a couple of times. It's very hard to 
strike that balance between like, hi, we're still here. Yes. But there's sometimes you can't really be speaking because they're like, the focus needs to be on what's in the ring. Yes. And this commentary team does not nail that. No. We miss a lot. Uh, there's a match in a couple of episodes, uh, a Young Lions Cup qualifier, where we miss substantial amounts of character work. Yep. For and a debuting character. I'll be very upset about that later. Uh, but the things I want to bring up real quick about this match is uh, there is a moment where Cobalt does like a promo in the middle of it. Yes. Like, and it's in it, the upper corner. It's in the upper corner, which covers too much of the match. Like, it should be in the lower left-hand corner, but it's in the upper right-hand corner and, like, blocks stuff that happens. There's also a point where we, we frequently see a cameraman, but we never see that cameraman shot. Yeah. And that cameraman's, like, standing in a really good place, and yeah, I'm like... cut to that shot, damn it. And I'm like, that'd be a really good shot to see. Uh, uh, and also, there's a bunch of points where Bacabella talks about how Cobalt has, like, an ample posterior... Yes, a lot of butt talk. So, like, it's weird because you find yourself being like, well, do I have to now look at this goblin's butt? Like, Yeah, I think it's because his finisher is the demon's toilet where he comes off and sits on your chest. Okay. Uh, so. That's. He comes off the top rope and hits you with his butt. Okay. Uh, in any case, <laughs> uh, this, I, I just want to bring this up very quickly. I'm going to start trying to get through this a little bit faster. Uh, I made a promo for our show. Uh, with this match. Yes. Because we're trying to stress that uh, Chikara Action Arcade, the show, there's also Chikara Action Arcade, the video game. Yes. And this is kind of supposed to be like kind of happening in the same universe. So I actually made a promo where I show the end of this match and then I show it exactly the same in the video game. Oh, that's fun. Which means I played the video game for like an hour and a half Trying to get Lucas and Cobalt in the right spot of the ring and performing the right move and then winning with it for so long. Uh, Calhoun wins. Yes. And uh, then we get like a little event center with Laterna sponsored by Like a Bro. Yes. Okay. Why did Jakara not find sponsors? Like a Bro is not a real product. Yes. I believe the reason we didn't find find actual sponsors is because there would be a conflict of interest when this went to a network that we had a paid sponsor that was paying us, but not the network. Okay. So it is also very confusing that we have fake commercials along with our very real commercials for Chikara Action Arcade, the video game, and also Kingdom of Trios, our mobile game. So it makes you think that those things are not real. (laughs) And they're not substantially different in quality in the ads. It's a really big problem. It's very confusing. Uh, and then we get like a, we get little, some, uh, Young Lions Cup promos yes. and we get Ricky South. Yeah. We get Ricky South, uh, who I really like in this promo. Flamboyant aggression, Ricky South. You can't fool me twice. I've already been fooled. <laughs> yeah. Ricky South. It's great. Lipstick and lariats. Yes. Uh, then we get the spoiler who's like the opposite in that, uh, Ricky South has a lot of charisma and I'm like, yeah. And then the spoiler is intended to be a charisma yes. vacuum. Yes. He's a long wet fart. Yes, and makes that noise a lot. Yes. Uh, Green Ant, we get a the resilient the resilient rookie. Yes, real quick. Uh, green Ant, we will notice is the only one that's never in front of a green screen. Mm-hmm. Green Ant bought that mask that he's wearing because it has a darker green in it, and he's like, "See, it won't be a problem." I was like, "Well, it's still green." Oh. 
so we had to shoot him in like the ring and stuff for his uh, promos. And I did go out and buy a blue screen that we never got the chance to use for for Green Ant, so he could have a cool background. I had your back, bud. Green Ant's a delightful human being. Uh, and still life uh, relinquishes the Young Lions Cup. Uh, yes, still life. It's it's funny because in this group of episodes, I've realized that I'm very used to their purple and gold gear now. Yes. So it was jarring to see the white gear. Yes. And I was like, who is that? Because uh, Blank also wrestles in white. Yes. So I had a moment of, wait, who? What? No. Um, and then we get this like, we see that Still Life has filled the Young Lions Cup full of flowers because art. Yes, because art. Really, that's it. Because art. So then we get a tag match. Yes. Spoiler and Sunny Defarge versus Boomer and Zero. Yes. I, I want to bring... I up, love Zero. I love Zero, too. Before we get into the match, just real quick, I want to bring up the fact that we have this player select screen that shows up. Yeah. Which I have mixed feelings towards. Yeah. The idea is that we don't know what the matches are, go- are going to be. There's no, like, GM character. Because yeah. it's all decided by this player select screen. Uh... Zero and Boomer are supposed to be, are both second gen stars. Yeah, they mentioned like they grew up together at the Wrestle Factory. Yeah, because it's uh, Mr. Zero and Dasher Hatfield's sons. Uh, Sonny and uh, the spoiler are a new team. Uh, it's very important that uh, we bring up that Sonny pins Boomer in this match. Yes. Uh, and that's really all I have to say about this one in particular. Anything? Yeah, um, I don't really have much. Uh, the baby faces win. Yes. No, they don't. Oh, excuse me. You're right. The heels win. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Sunny beats Boomer. Sorry, I misread something. I, I had moved slightly forward in my notes. Yes. Um, then we get an ad for the Kingdom of Trios mobile game. Yes, which is real and you can download it right now. And then we see Maisie Caroline in the ring. And there's a couple notes here. She's a Southern accent. I was like, is she Southern? And you went, no. And that made me laugh. Uh, something I can't stand. Uh, that's very, it, it's a personal preference thing of a lot of ring announcers have note cards in the ring mm-hmm. just because you have to remember like weights and hometowns. Um, Maisie reads them off her phone and to me that just looks terrible. Yeah, there's, a, there's a bad look to it. Uh, cause I know I, I've been a ring announcer mm-hmm. and like, this is going to be me being like a smug jerk here. Just during every match, I just memorize the next match's billing. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, it had to be perfect. And right. And there's that pressure from Quack, which I understand. It is a weird look. It's something you can solve by just not getting it on camera. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't think it would have bothered me so much had it been note cards. Had it been a note card. Yeah, there's something about it being a phone. Yeah, because the phone, note cards, the audience will assume note cards, notes. The phone, like, it could be you're on Twitter. Uh, back when I was a ring announcer, I read from a little Moskin book. Yeah. Uh, and there was a time where I just put my phone in the book <clears throat> and read off my phone. It looks better. It just does. And admittedly, I've been a ring announcer in a lot of places where I've had more uh, creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I can work with the talent to build them. Because uh, we do cosplay pro wrestling and... The reason CM Pikachu's the Celadon City Savior is because I said it during a match. Yeah, we had the freedom to just kind of make jokes. So, uh, 
we get a match of Ophidian versus Still Life. Yes. And something that needs to be uh, mentioned with Still Life is Bacabella, despite being a heel, never misgenders Still Life. Yes. Uh, Still Life is uh, non-binary and yes. I, I believe is the first non-binary champion in wrestling. Which is rad. It's super rad. Uh, it's a little strange for your wrestling fan uh, brain because they're using they, them pronouns the whole time. But usually in wrestling, and this is a WWE thing, you don't use pronouns at all. Right, because usually, especially with WWE, Mm -hmm. it's not intergender. So you can't say, if you have like Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, Mm. and, you know, Corey Graves says he, we don't know who they're talking about. It's a little different with intergender or where... Essentially where the wrestlers use different pronouns. Yes. Because Ophidian uses he, him. Still Life uses they, them. So the pronouns are a little clearer. Yes. Um, which is probably how Bacabella manages to not misgender Still Life is because Bacabella is not using a lot of pronouns. Yes. Worthington leans on they, them really hard. Yeah. And like, like to the point where it feels like Worthington wants to beat into the audience. When that shouldn't be the most important thing about Still Life. Yes. Because, uh, like, in my commentary style, uh, I, I try not to use pronouns. I know it's a Vince thing, but mm-hmm. I think it makes sense to say, like, the leg of Lucas Calhoun instead of his leg. Things like that. I uh, always find it jarring because I would find Calhoun's leg to be more natural. Mm-hmm. Not the leg of Calhoun. Like saying, like, oh, you know... Uh, Ophidian's really working Calhoun's leg there, yeah, not the leg of Calhoun. Yeah, that's, I mean... I uh, can understand don't use pronouns, but that the blank of name is what yes. I'm always like, ah, weird. Uh, so when calling a still life match, uh, I would say they, them uh, early. Yeah. And then just stop. Yeah. <laughs> and go back to saying the leg of still life or still life's leg. And the other thing is like, you can use pronouns a little bit, like in that in natural speech, but Worthington really leans on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, they, and it, to the point where it's like it feels like Worthington is drawing too much attention to it. Yeah, and it pulls from the match. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, still life bleeds, and the effect is really strong. Oh, the he gets gear. a bloody nose. And you and I argued whether it was fake blood or not. I I'm pretty sure it was legitimate. I remember. Like, cleaning up the injury. Okay. Uh, and I also remember... because uh, It stays very red. It stays very so red. So I thought it was fake because I would have thought real yeah. blood would have started to oxidize at some point. Uh, we had this big issue with blood on Chikara Action Arcade because we were not supposed to have blood. Right. Like, at all. Uh, there is another match where someone bleeds that, like, we almost completely hide. But... It was a huge problem because it was a brand new canvas that we got blood on. Oh, <laughs> So we're no. like, we ruined the ring. Okay, so you get some OxyClean. That's what we did. Um, <laughs> we got a scotch guard our rings. Yeah, uh, OxyClean is actually really good for getting blood stains out. Yes, um, we, we tried very hard. Uh, so then, so then I have a note that you and I argue about whether it's fake or real blood. Ophidian wins by submission. But Still Life looks great in this match. Oh, yeah. like, this is a great match. This isn't like a crucible fight where it's like a squash match and Still Life is crushed. Mm-hmm. It's 
a legitimate, like, really hard-won battle. And it's always the mark to me of a good match when the person who loses still looks strong. Yeah. Like, nothing got really taken away from Still Life for losing this match. Yes. You don't get the impression, like, oh, well, they suck. Like, you get the impression of, oh, they're good, Ophidian's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is what you're supposed to get, because Ophidian's supposed to be the captain of the Crucible, and we're really building the Crucible. And this is, like, the next step when you're building someone of, like, okay, you can't feed them jobbers anymore. They do have to beat legitimate competitors, and that's right. what happens here. Uh, I think we forgot to mention this in episode one, Ye- uh, but this happens again in episode two. There are stingers. I don't think there's one in the first episode. Oh, is there not? There's not. I um, thought there was. No, there's not. I didn't not. make a note. Uh, but... Well, there, there's two here. We're gonna Let's talk okay. about both. First, after the match, we see One-Eyed Jack and the Queen. And the Red Queen. Yes. Real quick. And then the credits roll. Yes. And then there is the longest pause ever. And it's Calhoun and Donna. And she tells Calhoun, I'm going to sign up for the Young Lions Cup. And Calhoun already did it for her. Yes. He talked to Helen in HR. Yes. Uh, So real quick, I just want to bring up. Uh, the credits always looked bad. They yes. looked jittery and hard to read. They're very blurry and weird. And like I said many times, like we have to fix it and it never happened. Uh, I do want to say that uh, there are jokes in the credits. Uh, the end of it is asking not you not to pirate it in uh, Dusty's hard time promo. Okay. Uh, the grip for the show is listed as Kung Fu. That's funny. Uh, and... The doctor for the show is listed as uh, um, Dag Douglas. Okay. From uh, Dark Place. Oh my god! (laughs) Dark Place, Dark Place. So yeah, surprise uh, occurrence of Dag showing up to be our ring doctor. That's fun. Um... There, I mean, there was a real ring doctor who doesn't, yeah, yeah, we, we, who we, doesn't get credited. We didn't have an actual fictional doctor. I know, but, but. It, it's a bummer that the real ring doctor doesn't get credited. Um, yeah, which probably don't, we probably don't remember. <laughs> because we had a different doctor for almost every match. Oh, see, I'm used to the fed I've worked for has the same ring doctor. Yeah, we, we only know the one doctor. Yeah, I only know one guy. <laughs> um, episode three. Because we got to like move yeah, through Now this. we got to speed up. Uh, so, so it's the cyber. We open with the Cyberhawks 2000, Razorhawk and Dangerhawk, because Nighthawk's not there. Yes. Um, I don't know what you were doing that day. Uh, but they're bickering on who will win the Young Lions Cup, Green Ant or Boomer. And the winner gets a six pack of Atrium Orange Cream Soda. Yes, the Atreat Soda. Which, Atreat, yes. Yeah, which was not a sponsor, but we just loved it. So Atreat is all over this show. And Atreat looks like it hasn't existed in 40 years. Yeah, it's from Lancaster. Yeah, but it's... it's very, like, old-timey soda. Yeah, like, but if you look at a can of it, like, it looks like a prop. Yeah, like, you could believe it's not real. But it also looks out of time. Like, it looks like a prop in a 70s movie. Anyway, uh, we get the first match, which is Thief Ant versus Sonny. Sonny Defarge, the legitimate businessman. Yes. Uh, This is a good match. It's a little tough with Thief's gimmick. Thief's gimmick is he steals your move. And Sonny Defarge is a legitimate businessman. And yes, he's a legitimate businessman who smells bad. 
the issue is since we don't have like a Randy Orton where like you know the moves Randy Orton does. Yeah, this is a difficult thing with a newcomer. Yeah, so we have to show uh, Sonny Defarge doing the move and then Thief just has to do it again. Yeah. Which is a cool gimmick. It's I feel like it's very hard to get across despite the fact that we're showing it then we're showing replays and commentary is saying it out loud. I always just feel like there's just a button that's missing in understanding this character. So, um, uh, Thief Ant wins. Uh, Thief Ant does not win. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I apparently never want to admit Sonny Defarge wins a match. Yes. Every time he wins, yes, Sonny gets a up. point here. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so Sonny beats Thief Ant because we are going to eventually start building that Sonny is great and Boomer is not. And that is a match we are building for. Yes. Uh, and then we get a video package of the Wrestle Factory. Yes. Uh, my notes from this include, does Dasher Hatfield have a Hey Hey tattoo of yes. the chicken from Moana? Yes, he does. I love him. He also has uh, Laszlo the bear from... Lotso. Lotso. Lotso the bear from... Oh, you know what? You pointed out the Lotso tattoo. Yeah. And I immediately laser focused on Hey Hey. <laughs> uh, so that's the that's really all I took from that. Uh, so then we have a tag match with... Speaking of tattoos, this is yeah. the other tattoo I wanted to talk about. Um, Travis Huckabee and Icarus. Yes, fist. Friends in similar tights. Uh, taking on two random Butch people. Banks and Rock Warner, or as I call them, the Great Value Young Bucks. Yes. They look like an off-brand Young Bucks team. Uh, Icarus has the worst back tattoo in history. It's just awful. Uh, and... I please put like a picture of it. Oh yeah, the... I, I will show it off. It is horrendous. God, it's terrible. And to the point that like a big part of Icarus's character is taking off his ring jacket and people gagging. <laughs> I'm looking at it, it right now. It's worst so bad. Tattoo. It's just this like hilariously bad tattoo. Yes, uh, which uh, led to. I know we talk about a lot of shirts that don't exist. Yeah. One of the best Jakara shirts is, if you're a fan of Icarus, there's a shirt that says, I have Icarus's back. Ha! <laughs> Great joke. Uh, Fist Wind picks up their first point. Yeah. Moving on to the Cybernetico report. Uh, and Ophidian, um, Ophidian chooses, it's Ophidian and Mike Quackenbush choosing uh, for their team. And Ophidian chooses uh, Devante's, Lance Steel, and Tunku Amir. Yes. And uh, Mike Quackenbush chooses Forged. He chooses uh, Josh Wells, Xavier Faraday, and Josue Ibanez, the Jawbreaker. Yes. And uh, Forged, it's very important, Forged came up through the Crucible and defected. Yes. They left and rejoined the Wrestle Factory. Mm-hmm. The, the whistleblowers. So uh, that's very important to their characters, so needed to be said. Um... And they, they have a match here. Uh, yes, these we, six people. Yes, the Crucible takes on Forged here. And uh, the Crucible wins. Faraday takes the pin. Yes. Uh, for some reason, during this match, the commentary gets echoed. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know why we never fixed that. Sorry. <laughs> and then we get the scoreboard for the tag team. Yes. Where you just get like, there's a nice little package with the bird and the bee. Kind of yes. talking about... Talking about the other tag teams and discussing, like, what the reality of fighting everyone would be. Yes. This is an important promo because this is a promo that is basically created to be like, we're different from the WWE. 
mm-hmm. uh, because in this promo, uh, the bird and the bee use all the words you're not allowed to use on WWE television. It's no mystery what you guys are doing. All right, it's not a secret you're the world's most dangerous team. You're banking on 15 years of history here. You've held these belts four times. But you're not now. We are. And we dare you to scrounge up a third point to come for your title shot for these belts right here. We're ready. Are you? They say belt. They say belts. They say title shot. Uh, they say... I, this is there's, there's there's another one I'm sure that they say, but it's us being they like say wrestling match. I think they say yeah they say wrestling. That's yeah. exactly what it is. They say wrestler. Uh, so it's basically us being like we are different from WWE because we will say these words, and it's them sizing up possible contenders for their titles, which also establishes all the other tag teams, which is really effective. Yeah. Um, and I just really like the two of them. They have a really good rapport. Yes. Um, and they're really fun. Uh, we get another Young Lions Cup package because we get the like reminder of like what it is, and yes. then we have uh, a, a match between Razorhawk and Joey Mags. Yeah, and Razorhawk wins by pinfall. It's a quick match. Yes, this is another one where the uh, ring announcer gets totally stampeded by the commentary team. Yes, Grump. That is all. And then we get the uh, Sam Laterna report and. Uh, we get Molly McCoy cutting a promo on behalf of her uncle Dasher. Yes. Uh, because she is now working with Dasher Hatfield. Mm-hmm. And then we get Donna Rama cutting a promo. Yes. Where she's promises we don't know her. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, don't underestimate me. Don't judge a book by its cover. You know what? Underestimate me. Judge me. Yeah. Um, I love this promo. It's a good promo. Uh, because-, because she's still in that wholesome 50s girl gimmick when she does it, too. Uh, it was one of the first ones that I remember being there when we were shooting and she uses the line uh, I may not look like much but use your imagination and I was like I love that line use that line Mm -hmm. and uh, then later Quack came up while we were recording he's like why are you hitting use your imagination so good and it was one of the few times I was like because it's the best and I was like we are keeping that line Mike do not get rid of that line it is great it's, it's really effective. And then we meet One-Eyed Jack and the Red Queen. Yes. And the one note I have is his eye is green and catches the green screen. <laughs> he catches the green screen. So we see the background through him, which kind of adds uh, to how creepy he is, yeah. but like still. But like, let's just talk about how uh, it's the trap that was successfully avoided by dungeon crawlers. Yeah. <laughs> And then we get the um, we get the intro package, and we get the first Young Lions Cup qualifier, which is a four way elimination match. It's yes. Jack Ball, Masha Slamovich, the pride of the Soviet Union. Yes. Max the Impaler and Boomer Hatfield. Uh, we watched four of these matches. What are the rules to a Young Lions Cup eliminator match? One person wins. There's two legal people at a time, but okay. no teams. Okay. Um, so you can tag in anybody. Okay. And uh, it's elimination, so you have to get rid of the other three people. Mm-hmm. And it's pinfall or submission. Yes. I, there's also DQ. 
DQ, you yes. You can be DQ'd. I think you can get counted out. It's just hard because there's so many. But once again, we fail entirely to mention Lucha Tags. Yeah, and I... I don't think those rules were ever made clear. I think this was just me figuring it out by context because I watched a bunch of them. I just want to make sure you got it. Like, uh, Jack Ball is eliminated by Masha Slamovich. Yes. Uh, Max the Impaler pins Boomer Hatfield. And then Max the Impaler pins Masha Slamovich. Yes. Uh, I think we should mention that Max the Impaler is a woman. Yeah, she is uh, not someone I would mess with. Oh, she, Max the Impaler is awesome. She she a big tough lady. Yes, yes uh, she is. She could kill me. Uh, and then this is also the first time three episodes in we get I'm Maisie Caroline. Game over. Game over. Which is a really effective thing. It's a really effective ending. Um, but this, we kind of like. Really needed to hit that earlier. Mm-hmm. It's weird that we're still building elements of the theming this late. Um, and since Boomer lost, we get the credits. Yes. We get freaking five minutes of black screen. It's it feels 20 like. seconds. It I feels... did time. It's, 20 seconds is an eternity. Yes. <laughs> uh, so the stinger here is that Danger Hawk gets a six pack of a treat. Yes. This uh, is like the stinger's. They're cute, but they're dumb for taking that long. So episode four, uh, the Whisper cuts this promo on not understanding Mobius. Yes. And how he's the only one so far on Quack's Cybernetico team who's an unknown quantity. And then the Whisper and Mobius have a match. Yes. Uh, the commentary quick. repeatedly refers to Whisper as like a puppy or a dog in this, which is very weird. Yeah, there's a lot of like dog references here, like we're watching the Dark Knight or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's a rabbit dog. He's no puppy. He's like, all right. Um, and he pins Mobius with the aftermath and whispers something into Mobius's ear, which is like the Whisper's thing. Yeah, he's mysterious and he likes secrets. Yeah, secret secrets. And then we get the Cybernetico video package. Yes. And... Uh, then we get a crucible fight. Yes. It's Tommy Knight versus Demorest. Demorest wins. Uh, yeah, Demorest brutalizes a guy. Tommy Knight, no one cares. <laughs> yeah. um, scoreboard with Scott Holiday. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, <laughs> a few things I want to bring up here. Uh, we have The Whisper again. Yeah. Uh, with a promo here. A lot of whisper. The whisper he, heavy episode. He's almost completely disappearing into the background. Oh, yeah. Because this one the, looks a little rough. The red, the, the red screen. Ooh, the green screen was so uh, intense. I don't remember if I'm the one who made this one or not. Uh, but I will say this is our third whisper promo. And the background is different every time. Yes. And that the location of his logo is different on the background. Because for some reason we never married the two things. We always had the logo and the background as separate elements. Yeah. And then arguments on how big the logo should be. Uh, so if you're watching Chikar Action Arcade and you're like, hey, why is the logo changing in size? It is a passive-aggressive fight between me and Josh, one of the other editors, on how big these things are supposed to be. That's very funny. Um, Demorest win. Okay. Um, the Whisper has a yo-yo. He's got a point. Yes, he, he's got his first point. He's coming for Dasher. Uh, we've got a spoiler promo. Spoiler to spoiler things. Uh, we see Calhoun, and this is the one where uh, Donna pops in. And does the you see. Some folks called this a snap hunt. And others said that it wasn't going to last long. 
But Lucas Calhoun has got point number one. And you see, you see, some guys in the back are gonna tell you that the last point is the hardest one to get. But I'm here to let you know that it takes more gasoline to get off the line than it does to cruise on down the road. And from here on out, Lucas Calhoun is paving his way to the Grand Championship. Are you with me? Yeah, it's cute and it's like blink and you miss it. And then we get an ad for Chikara Magazine and we get the Like a Bro ad. All right, we got to talk about the magazine real quick. It's uh, available at Borders Books, a store that doesn't exist. Yeah, so it's a bit that it's fake. Yes. Kind of like, because of course it's not going to be at a Borders bo- Books. They're out of, uh, they're out of business. The truth of the matter is, there was a magazine. I wrote for it. Yeah. Uh, I had, uh, I think it was either called, oh, it was called Extended Holiday was the name of my column. Yay. And I'd had an interview with the, with uh, not the Whisper, with the Spoiler. Bah. And he just like refuses to answer all my questions and does a raspberry in my face and it's annoying. Uh, but there was that, there was like other segments of just like, there was a spotlight on all the members of the Young Lions Cup. It was a real magazine that was available online. Okay. It was sent out through, via email. However, the conceit of our show was that we never mentioned the internet. Right. So we were advertising a magazine that was real, but unable to explain how you could get it. Oh my God. We, we put a lot of work into that magazine. For it to be dismissed as a joke ad. And it's a shame that uh, nobody really got to see it. Uh, so we have a Young Lions Cup qualifier. Yes. It's Josh Wells, Matt Vertigo, The Spoiler, and Green Ant. Yes. Um, so then uh, Chris Levin is the ref. I like Chris Levin, so I Yeah, made sh- a... shout out to, to Kid Ref. Um, and I like that Kid Ref is for the Young Lions Cup. Yeah. Um, the, the spo- Wells eliminates Vertigo by submission. Yes. The spoiler submits Wells with the claw. Yeah, Ooh. with the iron claw. He squeezes your brain. The claw. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spoiler is DQ'd when he punches Green Ant in the nards. Yes. Uh, I want to talk about this really quick because it sure. infuriates me. Sidney Bacabella is a villain. He is a bad guy. Yeah. He says, is Josh Wells in a bathing suit? Yes. Which is a fine little dig. Worthington's response is, I think he looks stylish. Which is the wrong response because it's saying like, yes, but it's a stylish bathing suit, which is wrong. And it makes Josh look bad. And I get real pissed off when commentary buries somebody. Yeah. And I'm not mad at, uh, at Bacabella, but like he basically hit the ball to Worthington and Worthington, instead of hitting it back, just drove it further away. And it's, it's a small thing, but man, does it piss me off. So then we get the, uh, so Green Ant wins by DQ, essentially. Yes. Um, It's important to note, Green Ant wins, and he didn't pin or submit anybody. Right. Uh, So then we get the Sam Laterna Cibernetico video pack, or the Young Lions Cup video package. And we meet Oswald Project, who is a science experiment. He is 40 months old and was born in a Petri dish. Yes, in uh, Wyoming. In Wyoming. He's a really fun character. Yes. Uh, this is another one that I directed because Oswald, every person on the uh, Young Lions Cup had to do one of these promos. Yeah. And I remember Jake Ball had never done a promo before, which was super fun. Uh, but Oswald was like, I don't know what to say. 
And Quack went on and on about like how vicious you're going to be and all this other stuff. And then I had to be like, Oswald doesn't realize he's in a wrestling match. That's his whole gimmick. Yeah. Can we do like a match.com thing? <laughs> yeah, like Oswald is immediately endearing. Yeah. He's a lot of fun as a character. Yeah, he's here to make friends with 15 new people and give high fives because he loves high fives. Yeah, like I really like You like Oswald Project a lot after uh, this. Oswald is one of my favorite humans. Uh, then we get Zero, who wants to make his father proud. Yes. And then we get Defarge cutting a promo on Boomer. Yes. Which is not part of Young Lions Cup, but it's just added yes. to this package. Because I believe we have set up that uh, Boomer and Defarge will fight at Cybernetico. Yes. If not this episode, then next episode that gets uh, officially announced. And then we get a uh, a tag match for the main event of the Cyberhawks 2000, Razorhawk and Dangerhawk. Where is Nighthawk? Versus Dasher Hatfield and Molly McCoy. I was probably running the show. Like, I was probably backstage with a headset on, or else I would have been at least at ringside. Like, in your Nighthawk gear, with yeah. your headset. Yeah. Adorable. I- I'm very often, like, instead of wearing the full gear, it's the mask and, like, a hoodie. But uh, I- I'm pretty sure I'm backstage for this. Uh, and Dasher and Molly win, but again, Razor and Danger put up a hell of a fight. There's a point yeah. where Dasher, like, yeets Dangerhawk into space. Like... Yeah, this makes... Dasher look everyone looks amazing. In everyone this match. looks again like it's like the still life in Ophidian match where like the losers of the match don't come off that badly. Yeah. Like it's not a shameful match to lose. Uh I, I want to point out this line that you said mm-hmm. of Molly sells like a Disney villain. She does! She has great facials that match like a Disney villain. She gets hit. And she, like, screams like Cruella DeVille. Like, she's got the facial, like, reactions. She doesn't sell like a wrestler. She sounds like a Disney villain. Yes. I half expect her to scream curses. Like, yeah. And there is a moment where she falls off the ring apron to the floor into darkness. Yes. Like, that's how every Disney villain dies. It's great. Um, Dasher and Molly win. And credits. And then we get this long... Pause, and then we get a vignette of the artist Blank. Yes, Blank. Me and Blank work together a lot, and I'm very upset that we never worked together in this show. Uh, But he's he's so good. He's such a great villain. I love Blank. He's an evil artist. Uh, And he's coming soon, so get excited. Episode 5! Episode 5, we get a promo from... We get the debut of the One-Eyed Jack and the Red Queen. Well, we get a promo first. I don't have that in my notes. I have Dasher promo, but I'm not sure which way. Second, let me look. At, let me look at my notes real quick. Uh, we get a Dasher promo that is restating the Swords of Damocles Amendment. Oh yeah, because I made a joke of previously on Chikara Action Arcade. Yeah, so we show that again, and then we get the Red Queen's debut. Uh, I don't actually have who they're fighting. Uh, that's because it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> they're. they're uh, I actually remember this day. Uh, being asked if I knew someone who could come in and lose because one of our enhancement talents couldn't make it. So they're like, can you get on the phone and find someone who has black gear that can just lose? <laughs> uh, I reached out to Kimberly Spirit, but she was busy. <laughs> Probably not losing. They're busy um, not losing in another company. Yeah, th- their finisher is really cool. Yeah, Their finisher is One-Eyed Jack pulls Red Queen up onto his shoulders, which is usually like... Something someone does when they're about to wreck somebody. Yeah. But he launches her. She does a very neat front flip. Yes. And just splashes on Yeah, think, the think John Cena's attitude adjustment. 
mixed with the fastball special. But yeah, then she spins around. It's amazing. It looks great. Jason Worthington like fixates on their relationship in the commentary, which is weird. Uh, yeah, there's like this weird subservient relationship between the two. It should be noted that when uh, Red Queen is not legal, she sits on the top turnbuckle. Yes. And waits to be tagged in like a like a queen. Yeah. Which, there, there's some really good character work. Her character work. Like, his character work is really good. Hers is great. Yeah, and if you, if you didn't watch it, the One-Eyed Jack's mask... It's terrifying. He looks through one eye, and then he has a fake eye on the side of his head, and then he's actually looking through the hair. So he's always looking the wrong way if you look at the face of the mask. It's really effectively disturbing. Awesome! These are two of the coolest looking characters here. Important thing I gotta ask you, though. Yes. You notice anything weird about this match? Um, not, there's no crowd. There, there is no crowd. This is one of the first, like, COVID matches we made. And the crowd is actually, like, the roster in hoodies. I just realized, when you said that, I was like, wait a minute, there's no crowd. Yeah, and... This is when COVID really starts to affect the show. Yes. So uh, what we did was we all, like, kind of hid in this one corner. So that one corner looks full and just shot everything so that you don't see any of the empty seats. But this is one of our first, like, post-COVID, we can't run an event, but we need to continue to make wrestling. Yes. Um... So, we go to Scott Holiday, uh, the scoreboard. Yep, scoreboard. The, campione, the Campeones de Parejas edition. Yes, we're just talking about tag, uh, and Fist has a point, as do uh, Sonny Defarge and the spoiler. And uh, we also get a, a promo from the Creatures of the Deep. Yes. Because we haven't seen them yet. And they are too salty. <laughs> They're very fun. Yes. This is kind of their introduction. It's the Hermit Crab and, and Cajun the Cajun Crowdhead. Uh, they're wonderful. Uh, we'll see them later. Uh, they're really, really fun. Then we get a crucible fight. Yes. Matt Mikowski murders a man. Yeah. And I, I don't know the man's name. He looks like a dude version of the Trunchbull from Matilda. <laughs> like, same physical presence and also a man bun. So he looks like a male version of the Trunchbull. Yeah. So and that's... He- and, like, all of our enhancement talents are made to look bad on purpose. Yeah. Like, we always, like, extenuate their flaws. Yeah. And he throws, like, the worst roundhouse kick to start the match and then just eats a boot. It's great. Uh, Matt Mikowski's a freaking star. Yeah, and then uh, we get the Young Lions Cup uh, package. And Faraday cuts a really clever promo about what everyone else wants from the Young Lions Cup. Yes. And how he doesn't have any baggage and he doesn't have anything to prove and he's not trying to get daddy to love him. Like, he wants it to have it. Yeah. And like the idea of like, I'm not attaching all this emotional baggage so I can focus on actually getting it. Yes. And that it's like a really good promo and it's more than we've learned about Faraday as of yet because usually Mm. we only see Faraday... With Wells and Abanez. So it was good to like let him strike out on his own. Mm-hmm. It's a great promo. Yes. And we also get Cabana Man Dan's promo. Yes, we get Cabana Man Dan's, who I made all of his background. 
And I love it. He's on the beach, and I made a sign that's like in the sand that says Kabata Man Dan. I love this. I like Kabata Man Dan. He's oh, really fun. He's great. Well, we see him, I believe, uh, debut next week. And that's a no thing I make a note on is a lot of uh, a lot of this is about next week's show. This is when we're starting to see uh, what I, I've been kind of calling the COVID filler. Right. Of we need to fill an hour. So we have a lot of emphasis on what you're going to see next week. Because, like, it's an hour show, and I'm like, oh, we only have, like, 35 minutes of content. Uh, I also want to point out, in the event center, we have another promo from Donorama. And Donorama's background changes from yellow to green. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got... A lot of people were really upset that I did that. It's like, that the, the backgrounds need to stay consistent. Because that's supposed to, we're supposed to relate the the backgrounds to the characters. So if I keep changing them, they don't work. Donorama in this promo is wearing a yellow sweater that was the exact same color as her background. So I had to change it to green. Oh my god! And uh, there's so many they issues. Did not understand why that was so important. There's so many tech issues with the show, and like the things you tell me, you got chewed out for. Um, Anyway, mm. uh, there's a, it's not a crucible fight, but it's Tunku Amir versus Lucas Calhoun. Yes. Calhoun wins and gets the second point. And you get the impression that this is now going to be a bad day for Tunku Amir. Yes. Because now the crucible is going to beat him up. Yeah, he's disappointed the crucible. I want to point out here that you can kind of tell this match gets chopped up a bit. Yeah. Because there's a moment uh, that is cut out of Tunku Amir saying, who sucks now? Okay. And the crowd chants, you suck. Yeah. Which is good, like, a way to get heat and stuff like that. Sucks is not a word we use in Jakara. Oh. It is too much of a swear. Uh, and if you are really paying attention, uh, when uh, Tunku loses, you hear one, like, remaining little soundbite of someone saying, uh, who sucks now? Like a fan yells it at him, like to throw it in his face. And okay. then we edit out the sound and put in a new sound clip of uh, You Still Lost to cover up the You Still Suck chant. Okay. Magic of TV. Uh, we get a weird Dasher Hatfield like a bro ad. Like a bro. Because um, bodybuilding has to do with professional wrestling. And then we also get an ad. We get two more things here. We get. Uh, the Chikara Totally Rad Hotline? Yes! Starring me, Nighthawk! We just shot a bunch of footage of me playing with a phone. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it very much looks like um, ads for, like, Mall Madness. And yeah, other, that's what other we're like, for. teen girls skewing at mm. 90s uh, board games. And then we get another... I, I, I need to point this out here. We get another factory-made clip. With Travis yes. Huckabee. Yes, this is something I really want to talk about. So the problem here with these factory... The first one's Mike Quackenbush, but the next two are Dasher Hatfield and Travis Huckabee. Mm-hmm. Your main storyline is that you're up against an evil an evil rival trainer. Mm-hmm. Two of the three factory trainers are bad guys. Yeah. That we've shown. So like, to me, I'm like, okay. And I know that's just who happens to be trainers. Mm-hmm. But like... Couldn't find a single face trainer or a face you could pass off as a trainer? Isn't, like, Solo Darling a trainer? I, I th- Solo eventually becomes a trainer. I don't know if he was a trainer at the time. Uh, but uh, I like this because it's showing off 
kind of something you can do at home. It says don't try this at home. Try it at a wrestling school. But like something that you can prepare for. And it's the back bridge. Yes. Where you were up on your toes and then you're leaning on the top of your head making a bridge. And then Travis kind of like tries to knock you over and like stands on your chest. Okay. Which is something that we legitimately did in training. Uh, I will come back to this. Okay. Um, I also, real quick, want to remind people, the hotline was real. It was a real phone number you could call, as fake as we made this commercial look. uh, So then we get uh, a young lion's cup. Yes. Uh, And I have some notes. Um, We have... Uh, Freynas, we have Freynasar. No, Excuse it's me. Freynasar, but Jason Worthington calls him Frey. Yes, which I actually have in my notes. Fry, not Frey, Jason gets it wrong. Yeah. Um, there's a really, really bad commentary screw up here. Uh, there's a great moment with Bacabella. Well, r- run through who's in it first and then we'll get uh, it. It's Freynasar, Molly McCoy, mm-hmm. Xavier Faraday... And, um... Ricky South. Ricky South. And so they're, you know, it's the Young Lions Cup qualifier. And there's one point where Fry... uh, Bacabella says about Fry. Why is this goof dancing in the middle of the ring when he should be fighting? That's yeet. I know what that means. Yeet. You know, all the cool kids do it. You're not cool. You don't know. If he's got heat, why do I feel so cold? He's yeet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I, I'm cool. I know what the kids are saying. Then Worthington says, if that's heat, why am I so cold? Yeah, completely mishearing that he said yeet and not heat. And it like the joke doesn't work. Like that, it kind of like messes everything up in regards to that joke. Like there, you kind of hear Bacabella's silence after Jason says that of like, no, I don't. I'm not going to explain the joke. Uh. And it was like in a re, in like a good heel face commentary team. That would have been Worthington's time to get the drop on Bacabella. Mm-hmm. Like something he can finally best Bacabella in mm-hmm. is like knowing what yeet is. Like later, if somebody else got thrown, you could go, "No, Sydney, that's yeet." Yeah. Um. Yeet is one of those unfortunate words I started using ironically, and now I just use. Um, so, um, Molly loses to Xavier Faraday by pinfall. Uh, who wins in this one? Uh, so, uh, I actually don't have a lot of notes about the match because I'm so busy complaining Mo- about Corey. Yeah. Molly McCoy gets pinned first, and then we lose Fry Nassar, and it gets down to Faraday and uh, Ricky South. Ricky uh, South hits uh, what would be basically be a uh, a teardrop suplex. Okay. Uh, but Bacabella calls it a Northern Light suplex done backwards because he's Australian. That's fine. And I love that call. That's a great... It makes me so happy. Uh, we then have Ricky South do his finisher, which is the Kiss of Death, which is a pile driver. Okay. Which is another thing where it's like, you won't see this in WWE. They don't yeah. like pile drivers. We're doing a pile driver and he wins with the pile driver. This is when I noticed that Jason Worthington's uh, commentary is always at the same level. It's He's, always the same loud and same energy level, yeah, so there's nowhere to go. Yeah, nothing's ever more important or exciting or less important or less exciting than the, less, the last moment. And it sucks because it's commentary and they have to use their voice to tell the story. Yeah. And using pitch and using like 
level and things like that are almost more important than the words you're using. Yeah. And like a dog. Like a dog. Like, I, I know that's like a bad comparison, but like the words you're using are less important than your tone and your, yeah. Yeah, when speaking to a dog. Uh, and that that's such a weakness that I notice here and then see throughout the rest of the show where I'm just like, ugh. Just either calm down or get more excited. So our main event, because we have we have the um, the formal choosing, because we have a young we have a cybernetico special report special report, and Quack officially chooses the Forge, Wells Faraday and Abanez, mm-hmm. and Aphidian officially chooses the group of Demorest, Amir, and Makowski. Yes. Then our main event is a tag team match of Fist versus Boomer Hatfield and Zero. Uh, there's a great comment by Bacabella, because we talk about how you can tell if Icarus is a good guy or a bad guy mm-hmm. by whether his tattoo is showing. Yes. And Bacabella says, imagine if the Mona Lisa was on the skin of Michelangelo <laughs> about Icarus's tattoo. And that's mm-hmm. such a great, such a great line. Fist wins. Yes. The, the two things I want to bring up here is uh, commentary does the you see bit here, mm-hmm. where uh, Worthington says you see, and Bacabella responds with you see. Uh not only does uh, Fist win this match, though, Travis wins this match, pinning Zero with a German suplex. So he grabs him, mm-hmm. throws him over his head, and then bridges onto his toes and the top of his head. The thing he just showed the you. The thing he showed us in his factory made. Okay, that's rad. So, like... I almost wanted to go back and watch the Factory Maids to see if that was a common theme. But it was the first time it was clicked. I was like, oh, that's why they showed us Travis. It's like legitimately good foreshadowing. Yeah. So he's showing us the exact skill that he's going to use in this match to win. Love that that happened. So episode six starts with Razorhawk cutting a promo. Uh, So we start with this Razorhawk promo. And it's... He's calling out Dasher and then he kind of breaks and he's like, I'm not going to do what you're supposed to do. I'm not going to build up my opponent to make him look good because he's a bad person. Which is an interesting little like twist on things because a lot of, I don't know if the the average wrestling fan knows that in a promo, you never want to bury your opponent and make him look bad. Because because it doesn't make you look good if they look bad. Yeah. Like, you're never supposed to call someone an old man, because if you beat them, you've beaten an old man. And if you lose, you've lost to an old man. Right. Uh, but in this one, Razorhawk's just like, no, I refuse to do that because I hate Dasher. He's, like, a terrible plague on, on this company. I love this promo. Uh, so, Razorhawk, really good talker. Yes. And I really wish we got more of that. Uh, Razorhawk's also a delightful human being. Really good human. Um, good hugs. Yeah, delight. Cabana Man Dan debuts. Yes. Um, I love Cabana Man Dan. Yes. It's a great, it's a fun gimmick. CMD, the master of the flip-flop chop. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Ashley Remington. Okay. Of that, like, not just like the nautical, but like, just that like level of chill. Ashley Remington was a Chikara talent who's now Dalton Castle. Yes. Um, And like, he was very, he was a yacht captain. Mm-hmm. And he was just, like, very nice and would, like, give his opponents fruit baskets. And Cabana Man Dan reminds me of that. Yeah. Like, just that, like, he he's here to wrestle and have fun. Yes. The, the uh, commentary does a bit of, like, 
if you could have any job, why would you be a cabana boy? And Worthington's like, he's a cabana man, which is a fun little bit. And then we see the flip-flop chop, which is where he hits you with a flip-flop, but it's not a DQ because it's part of his ring attire. It's true. So then we get the uh, Cybernetico special yeah, report. Another Cybernetico report. Uh, this, this episode moves pretty quickly, actually, because there's a lot of filler. Yes. Um, uh, re- real quick, I want to bring this up. Uh, they need to... Ophidian and Mike need to pick the anchors of their team. Yes. And... Uh, Ophidian chooses Devontes. Yes. And Quack chooses Zero. Yes. What is the anchor? The last person? Maybe. I just never think this is made clear. It's just like, he's our anchor. Oh, all right. Um, and it's weird because we haven't seen Zero do much at this point. Yes. Uh, Boomer cuts an impassioned promo on Sonny Defarge. Yes. Uh, because Sonny tries to give him a new name that isn't Hatfield. It's Platmeal. Yeah, it's Platmeal, which I think is hilarious. And every time Boomer says it, somebody needs to give Sonny Defarge 38 cents. Because <laughs> he copyrights the new name. So Boomer, what a great bit. Boomer has 38 cents in his hand and goes like, I'm going to use this instead to buy you a new joke. Like, just a very good promo. I love all of this. And then we get Neutral Corners, which is like... No, we don't. Yes. We gotta talk about this first. I don't have what's after that. Ah, uh, so after the Cybernetico report, we have a commercial for the Chikara ice cream bar. What's yours is mine, and what's mine right now is the Chikara Pro Wrestling officially licensed Los Ice Cream Talking Neopilots and Ice Cream Bar on a Stick. Steal yours today. Or better yet, purchase yours at your local supermarket or convenience store. Oh... It is the official Chikara Pro Wrestling Talking Los Ice Creams uh, Metropolitan Neapolitan <laughs> Neapolitan Ice Cream Bar uh, on a stick. On a stick. Uh, so I was in charge of getting this made. Yes. So uh, my instructions were uh, get a Chikara talent to hold a stick and uh, in front of a plain background and make sure they say whatever we call it is a mouthful. Yeah. I had this long talk with Quack about how to do this ice cream bar. And he's like, I want it to be a Los ice cream that like moves a little. Like he's trying to stay still, but like you can kind of see him moving. Mm -hmm. So I thought what we could do was we'd have someone hold a stick and then with a, a green post-it note on it. So you could green screen so it in. So we could green screen it in. And I don't know how we missed each other to this day. Okay. But the way you do this is you have them hold a regular ice cream bar. And then you have the Los ice cream yeah. on a green screen. Yeah. Then you shrink him down. And then he's just on the background of the ice cream bar. Okay. Quack's like, I filmed with uh, the ice creams. Uh, And they filmed it in front of uh, something that looked like an ice cream bar. And I was like, why did you do it that way? It's like, so you could green screen on the the ice cream bar. I'm like, no, the ice cream bar needs to be there. Oh, my God. So if you watch it, uh, there's so so many things wrong with it. Uh, I had to take the ice cream bar. And superimpose it onto this stick. Yeah. But Thiefant is unable to hold it completely still. 
So I had to frame by frame move the ice cream slightly so it stays on the stick. And it doesn't look perfect, but like took so long to do because he had to film it in front of this ice cream looking background instead of a green screen. And to this day, I don't understand how he misunderstood me. Ugh. Fun. (sighs) Okay. So now we get neutral corners. Now we get neutral corners. And this is clearly... Something that we're trying to get to fill time. Yeah, this is something I pitched. This is something from WWE's... Saturday Power- Morning Slam? No, oh. from... I, I believe it's called the PowerPoint, uh, where they used to do a segment called Can We Talk? Where they would just ask a question, and then different wrestlers would answer it. The would, idea that there was something called the PowerPoint and Drew Gulak didn't work there yet? Yeah. But it's who inspires you. Yes. Faraday says, uh, Childish Gambino... Uh, I forget what the whisper says. I have a note that he sounds like Stuart from Letterkenny. Uh, he says something like, Inspiration comes from many sources, but what really inspires me most is those who aren't afraid to try something new. Mobius says, The fans! Yes. Uh, the, you know, super pandering answer. Mm-hmm. Zero says his dad. The spoiler's like, who inspires me? I think the real question is, who do I inspire? There's a group of young kids coming up, doing all the flippy stuff, when all you need is an iron claw. <laughs> uh, they get to the Red Queen and One-Eyed Jack, and he says, her? Yes. And she doesn't answer. Mike Quackenbush says, Jushin Thunder Liger? Stop. Okay. Because this, this infuriated me so much. You know, just from watching it, that Neutral Corners was created to fill time. Yes. Right? So I pitched this and I was like, I gave him a list of questions and the list of questions included who inspires you? If you were a flavor of ice cream, what flavor would you be? Mm-hmm. Uh, who can you do an impression of? And in issue 83 of Spider-Man, when Spider-Man sold his soul to the devil or sold his uh, relationship with Mary Jane to the devil to bring back Aunt May, do you think that was a good idea? And we never did that question. And I thought it was so funny to have a super complicated, long question. Any case, we know that this is to fill time. Yes. Quack especially knows that we're doing this to fill time. And Quack goes, Who inspires me? Jushin Thunder Liger inspires me. And I got that footage and screamed at my uh, computer, Explain! Why would you give me two sentences? His clip is shorter then the blank screen before the stinger ends. It's <laughs> I was so frustrated. It's like, what are you doing? You know why we need this. Why would you only say a sentence? Hermit crab inspires hermit crab. This interview is over. Um, then we get the Young Lions Cup final qualifier. It's Noah Stryker versus Zero versus Oswald Project versus Donnarama. This is the best match we watch. Yes. Uh, Oswald Project is Danny Sexbang and Brendan Fraser had a little baby. Um... <laughs> Donna Rama enters and she's goes from zero to 60 instantly, which I don't entirely agree with. I think it would have been kind of fun if she entered as unassuming Donna Rama and exploded. And then as soon as she hit someone for the first time, like discovered she liked the taste of blood and just went for it. Uh, that's just like a personal choice. Yeah, we're, we're trying to establish kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing here. They call her a Dayglow Valkyrie. She immediately drop kicks Oswald and then drops the others as well. Yes. As soon as the bell rings. Uh, 
This, Oswald talks, but commentary talks over him. That's exactly what And you're what so I upset. I, like, the whole time that Donnarumma's destroying Oswald, he's screaming, I don't want to be here. I just want to be your friend. Which is so good. Yes. It's so good, but commentary talks over all of it, so we can't hear it. Super frustrating. Uh, and Donnarumma who wrestles everyone, including her outfit. Which yes. Ones, which Starts she's to fall apart. trying to fix. Uh, but she destroys everyone so much that the other three competitors are like, we got to get her out. And they dogpile on her to pin her. Yes. So Donnarumma kills everyone and then is the first person eliminated. Uh, Noah Stryker wears a kilt and there's a great bit that Sidney Bacabella goes back and forth calling uh, Stryker's kilt a kilt or a skirt, depending on how well Stryker is doing. Yeah, that is Bobby the Brain, right? Like, to a T right there. And Uh, like, Zero and Oswald begin to strike up a friendship, mm -hmm. which is important in good storytelling. And then Oswald... Hits Stryker and kind of does what I said with uh, Donorama of like, Oswald powerbomb Stryker into a split. Yes. It looks amazing. Then he does a perfect moonsault. Yeah, a standing moonsault. Like not from the top rope, just from the middle of the ring and gets unbelievable height. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I The things I want to point out real quick with this is, uh, one... We never see Noah Stryker again. No. Noah Stryker's great. I, I like. I forgot how good Noah Stryker is in this match. So I want to give him a shout out because he's a young lion and he deserves more attention. Noah Stryker's awesome. The whole time with Oswald and Zero, they're also talking. And Zero is, that whole time, kind of like barking orders to Oswald because he's like, what do I do? He's like, just do stuff and then hit him. And he, so he does a bunch of flips and then lands on him. All this is Gold. Yeah. That is ruined by commentary. Yeah. And then zero, zero pin striker because Oswald doesn't really know he's supposed to. Yeah. Um, and then zero immediately pins Oswald and wins, but yeah. zero is visibly like upset what he's done. Yeah. But then he like helps Oswald up and like tries to like maintain that early friendship. Yes. Which and is some good character work. Yes. Uh, I haven't, I haven't talked to Oswald Project in... A while, but I believe he retired shortly after this, Boo. which is such a shame because he was amazing. It's tough because you don't really know who is retired versus who is just not wrestling yeah. right now, uh, owing to life current events. Yes, um, but Oswald Project was scoreboard. Uh, we get the scoreboard. Spoiler's got a point. He blows some raspberries. The whisper has a point. He's got a plan going forward. Um, Lucas Calhoun has two points, and I do a little dance yes, when I say rockabilly roughneck. And you say roughneck and not refneck. Yes. Uh, and then we get Sam Laterna's Cybernetico report. Mm-hmm. And Green Ant does a promo where he's having a crisis of confidence. And Sam Laterna... Oh, real quick. Yeah. There was a crucible fight. Yeah. I, Tung, Tung Ku kills a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew it, it has nothing to do with anything. So I was just like, eh. Oh, okay. Green Ant has a crisis of confidence, and there's this weird... Sam Laterna, bless your heart, Ant. Bless you, Ant. Blant. Blant. And it, nothing, it doesn't make any sense. And like I remember watching this and being like, I don't understand the Blant thing. And the response I got was, Blant. And I was like, oh, you guys don't know either. You're just doing things. And I have a headcanon, because Sam says, bless your heart. Yeah. But like, she means it like genuinely. I 
have a headcanon that Maisie Caroline, who is supposed to be Southern, has told Sam Laterna, bless your heart, which does not mean that when a Southern woman tells you that. Yeah. So I have a headcanon that, like, Maisie Caroline says that. I didn't know this until you told me that bless your heart often means fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, when a Southern woman says bless your heart, uh, you have run afoul of her. Um, So... I have this headcanon that, like, Maisie Caroline said that Sam Laterna, and Sam Laterna, like, doesn't know what it means and just repeats it. Uh, we see Mast Enforcer number two, because there's this whole plot line. Oh, yeah, we forgot all about this. Uh, every time the spoiler wrestles, uh, the Mast Enforcer, who is supposed to just be a fan, yeah, uh, comes out and yells at him because the spoiler is not the real spoiler. There was a wrestler in the 70s named The Spoiler. Yeah. And the Masked Enforcer actually did wrestle him and is upset by this. Uh, and he keeps interrupting the matches and has to get thrown out. And I, I forgive me for forgetting this. Uh, the second time he does it, he gets thrown out by me. Yes. And it's been cut out. I corpse so hard. During this, yeah, the camera does not catch you. There's a moment where, like, I reach for him and he says something back to me, and I turn away to laugh, but when I do it, I laugh right down the lens of the camera. Oh no, because I didn't realize that's where the camera was. Yeah, sorry, everyone, because that it was legitimately really bad. Um, main event is Dasher versus Razorhawk. Yes, there's an interview, but they announced the main event. And then they have an interview with Dasher. It breaks up the pacing really bad. This yeah. interview with Dasher needed to be before they announced the main event. Yes. Uh, Bacabella, every time Dasher might get a little bit hurt, Bacabella mm. like, goes apoplectic. He at one point yells, Laterna, get me a water. Where's the idiot with the scoreboard? <laughs> um, and I remember texting or tweeting at that moment, like, give me a water. Bacabella needs me. But there's a point I want to point out that because you bring it up. Yes. Uh, We still get that, like, select screen uh, of choosing uh, Dasher and Razorhawk. But that conceit has been completely killed because Razor said this match was happening at the beginning of the show. Yeah, we don't need this seemingly randomized main event. Mm. This is, like, a match that we knew was happening. Uh, And uh, Dasher does win. Yeah, I want to, like, stay on that. I was going to do a show on YouTube Mm -hmm. that promoted Action Arcade because I wanted to get more eyes on it. And I was like, I'll do a show where I'm like, here's the news. Here's what's going on. Here's what we have to look forward to in the next episode. And it's like, well, we can never say what the matches are because that kills the conceit of the uh, player's select screen. But we do it ourselves in the show. Yeah. So, like, it sucks seeing, like, our plans fall apart. So Dasher wins after Razorhawk puts up a hell of a fight. Yes. Uh, and this also begins the... Uh, now the sign-off line is Jason Worthington instead of Maisie Caroline. And this is the game over. This is Jason Worthington. You're worth it. Yes. Uh, Jason Worthington had a habit of throwing in his things that get him over. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the future, we'll also hear the Worthington keys to victory. And every time I hear it, I just like, it's like this isn't about you. Dude, <laughs> please just tell the story. Um, and yeah. You're, you're just going to completely skip over Fix Your Dick? Oh, I didn't have what that actually was. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a moment where uh, the commentary stumbles and calls something, I believe, the Fix Your Dick suplex. Look at the... Oh. Attempt oh. at a Fix 
Yeah, we forgot what it was. I forget what it was supposed to <laughs> it be. It was the fix you dick, because I refuse to call it anything else for the rest of the night, because I love the, the fix you dick suplex. And still life. It's funny, because I mentioned the first time we see still life that I'm used to their purple and gold gear. Mm-hmm. It's still life lying among all of the old gear they've used, and debuting the purple and gold gear I now recognize. Mm-hmm. And kind of talking about their journey and how, like, they were an art project, and then yeah. uh, this is, they're becoming, uh, they're living their truth, yes. is, I believe, the term. Yes. The the greatest form of, of still life might, yes. might be a phrase. I don't want to say final form, because I don't think that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. That's an anime joke. Uh, I, I want to point out, and I I kind of ask you if you feel this way, because it's, it's just a little thing. Uh, the shot of uh, still life on the floor looking up, surrounded by their old gear, it looks like the shot from the Jessica Simpson music video, uh, Nothing But a T-Shirt On, Now That I'm With You. <laughs> and I was like, it, it looks so much like it. I was like, I don't know if still life did this on purpose. But man, it looks like that shot. I doubt it. I know where you're coming from because Jessica Simpson, this is, why do I know this? Jessica Simpson wears all white in that video. Oh, maybe that's And a lot of Still Life's old gear was white. Maybe. So I think like, if anything, their floor matches Jessica Simpson's set. Maybe. So like the color palette is so. But like the angle and the clothing, it just, it looked very similar to me. And it's very weird that that's going to be where we leave off on this episode. Yeah, and and we're not going to do a lot of uh, tie off because we have six more episodes to cover. Yes, so... And we've been here for a long time. Yes, this is going to be a long one because I have a lot to say. Uh, So be sure to uh, reach out if you have any questions you'd like us to answer about uh, Chikara Action Arcade. Uh, Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at staydoomed. Also, uh, our Patreon is actually up now and working correctly. Yes, and we have a Discord. Yeah, so you can join our Discord if you sign up on our Patreon. Uh, and there's going to actually be more tiers coming soon. Yeah. Uh, so I guess 3.0 is coming. But like it's now functioning correctly as a Patreon. So you can check us out on Patreon. Links are below. And if you want to talk to Scott Holiday, he's at underscore Scott Holiday. But if you want to talk to me about wrestling, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. And if you want to talk to me about... Uh, theatricality and character building and gear, I'm at Stay Doomed. Until next time, stay doomed.